Daddy, where's the spatula? Okay, kids, let's go. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Don't forget, they make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? Spatula City! Spatula City! Hello, this is Cy Greenbloom, president of Spatula City. I like their spatula so much, I bought the company. Spatula City, seven locations. We're in the yellow pages under spatulas. My, where did you get that lovely spatula? He's back. And this time, he's mad. Gandhi 2. No more Mr. Passive Resistance. He's out to kick some butt. This is one bad mother you don't want to mess with. He's a one-man wrecking crew. But he also knows how to party. There is only one law. Kid's law. Gandhi 2. Fantastic, wondrous. All right, why? Hello, it is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of August. August? Yes, August. Yes, still August. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. Uh, we are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. I am he. Uh, it is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. If you'd like to join us today, and I know you would, it is 503-733-2970. 503 503- 733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, uh, the mundane. Limericks, haiku, iambic pentameter. What's that other thing? Do Dohedric tectometer? What is that other thing? Yes, that's close enough. Thank you. Uh, that. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to uh, kvetch, or perhaps kvitch, uh, one vowel off, two very different things. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Tim at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Or Kristen with an E at 970.am. Kristen Bowie in for Sarah Dillon today. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Uh, let's see. It is Monday. Uh, so here's what's coming up later on in the program. So I guess it's... Has the convention even started? Is yes. it tonight? Yes. But it, well, it's just about underway. It's getting underway tonight. All right. They didn't do like a, like a last night thing, did they? Like no, a, no. Like a sort of 
Like a sort of an exhibition game thing? Yeah, they might have had something uh, last Well, in any event. So I guess it gets underway uh, today or now or an hour ago, whenever. Uh, but, but we're already being denied uh, the correspondence of Lisa Desjardins. So that's good. We're not even three hours into the convention. We're being told we can't talk to CNN's convention correspondent. So it's going to be a great week. I can just feel it in my bones. Uh, we will be talking to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum later on today in the 1 o'clock hour. I don't know if he's in Denver or if he's just in New York and he's going to do that thing of pretending that he was there. Sort of like with it, like he, like when they put Cor Harlan out on the street somewhere so he can sort of pretend that he was on site when some news event happened, even though he wasn't, and it's like nine hours later and he's in a different part of town. Anyway, so we'll talk to Steve later on about that. Uh, seeing a radio correspondent, James Roop, uh, joining us from Los Angeles today. Why? I've forgotten myself. Let's find out. Oh, it's back to school time. So there, a thing that I have no... It's just impossible for me to track when school starts or when school gets out or when the prom is or when anything happens because I haven't been in school for like 17 years now. So uh, the CNN claims that all across the nation, young minds are being prepared to be stimulated by academics. That's almost certainly not true in like three different ways. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll pretend to care about it later on uh, because we like talking to Jim Roop. What else is coming up today? Today's top five. Top five songs written about a book. Uh, not about reading. Not about books in general. Not about the world of literature in toto. Uh, top five songs written about a specific book. Uh, that's coming up later on today. Uh, what else? Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Religious Nutcase Watch coming up today. It is indicative of how little Metallica means to me at this point that I've now for four days put off playing the new Metallica song. Truth be told, I don't even really care today, but it's it's a thing we got to do just because I'm a completist and i got to get it checked off the list. Uh, so later on today, we'll play the new Metallica song, which I have not heard, but which will uh, almost certainly be disappointing. So we'll get to that. I've been Let- avoiding it, too. So. I know you guys were supposed to play it last night. Did you? No. We didn't Good get you. to it. See, that's what I mean. Do you remember there was a time when, like, oh, the new Metallica's come. We've got to play it right now. It just makes me feel like I want to sigh that's exactly and not even it. listen to it. No, no, no. That's exactly it. I was just going to say, it just gives me, as Eddie Izzard would say, kind of a uh, sort of a feeling. Yeah. All right. Well, and don't call if you've heard it. I mean, I guess you can call, but don't call and give it away or describe it. Or, it just, I have this whole care, don't care thing going on with the new Metallica where on the one hand, it means so little that I was supposed to... I think Richie had it on Wednesday. Didn't play it Wednesday. Didn't play it Thursday. Didn't play it Friday. It's now Monday. I'm going to try to play it today. So we haven't played it. On the other hand, all late last week, like the guys from KUFO would sort of... they sort of buttonhole me in the hallway. Have you heard the new Metallica? And I would tell them they couldn't... Like I would make them forswear or a word like that. I told them they couldn't tell me about it. That's kind of what they've been doing to me. It's like... They're like, hey, you run that music show. Yeah. I didn't have you be... heard it? I'm like, no. I didn't want to have it spoiled for me. I'll let Metallica yeah. spoil it themselves. So uh, we'll try to do that later on today, the new Metallica. Uh, let's see. What else? A uh, whole pile of notes. I mean, I was just saying before the program, we really ought to have a whole show that's just nothing but outtakes. I mean, maybe, I always make this joke, but maybe in our HD channel or something or on like a separate web stream or whatever. I mean, it's just... I mean, it's just spread out before me, just just into the horizon, like some sort of a big horizon-y thing. It just goes forever, all of this stuff, um, <clears throat> including this fantastic picture uh, and story from last week's Oregonian. And I really meant to get to this last week, and I realize I say that about everything, but there's this great article that the Oregonian ran, and inexplicably enough, or explicably enough, it was in the sports section, which is a thing I almost never read. Uh, it, my wife, though, uh, in her capacity as best wife ever, uh, came home and she's like, have you seen today's Oregonian sports section? And I said, why do you ask me questions you already know? Of course not. And she said, you got to look at it. It's so great. And so I last week, the Oregonian sports section had the best 
juxtaposition of article and photograph that I think has ever been published in our fair city. And it was so great that they themselves went and removed the photo from the online database. So if you go to Oregon Live, you can't even see the picture. They've already taken it down. I, however, have the hard copy. Uh, but i got to get it scanned. And Bridget's gone, so I guess I have to have Cheryl or somebody do that for me. Uh, so I'm going to get it scanned and put it online so you can so you can appreciate the gold that is this photograph from last week's Oregonian sports section. It is so badass. So uh, we'll get that put up later. And you know it has to be good if I care about it. Uh, so we'll get to that later on today. Jesus, what else? Um, well, a whole bunch of other stuff. Notes from this weekend. I already talked about the top five. We got that. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. We may or may not be talking to Peter Carlin later on today. Uh, we sort of dovetails with a discussion of cable. We'll get to that later. Tim Riley back uh, from what I hope is a refreshing and exhilarating three-day vacation. Yes. Do you feel better, Tim? Yes. Are you rested? Yes. Are you full of vim and vigor and a love of life? Oh, yes. Fantastic. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Hillsboro teens dare a brainless friend to bash a kid with a pipe, and they comply. A federal way team is life-flighted after being buried in sand. An Oregon City man is stabbed in the back by a woman. She's the worst elephant mother ever. The Oregon Zoo's Rose 2 beats her newborn son to the horror of all. Wow. The, the Oregonian cuts 10% of its staff. Yeah, I guess the uh, the zoo had this live feed, and they cut the live feed once the uh, once the bashing began. Mm-hmm. All right. So they're trying to get the mother to like the child, but the, apparently the elephant hates the child. Is this Packy Rose? No, this is Rose 2. Which when did... is, I think is a child of Packy's at some point. Mm-hmm. Wait, so... Never mind. I don't even really care. Well, we'll get to this. All right, we'll get to it. You're going to care. I know you will. I mean, I I understand. I'm just saying I'll care when I have more details. Yes. All right. Uh, The Oregonian cuts 10% of its staff. A Fox News Channel news team has wrapped up on the first day of the Democratic Convention. We can't play it because it's so nasty, but I posted it on my website. Uh, Ted Kennedy may speak at the convention tonight, but that's not a promise, but apparently he's been flown in secretly. Paula Abdul may have to share some space with another female judge at American Idol. Excellent. A bare naked ladies guy survives a plane crash in Canada. Floating ant colonies survive Florida floods. And who in this room was stranded aboard an Amtrak that was broken down for four hours? <laughs> everybody everybody uh, who, who had that say aye. Aye. All right. Excellent. Damn was it. That, when was that? Was that on yesterday? the way up to Seattle? On the way Friday. up. Oh, that sucks. Because you're not even. Because then you could. They just... ran out of food. They ran out of booze. They ran out of everything. And so what did, it, did the, the train just stopped working? Well, what happened was, apparently they didn't tell the passengers as we departed that there had been an accident uh, a little bit up near Lacey. That was nice of them. So once we get there, they stop the train and say, "There's an accident here. It must be cleaned up." Blah 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 blah. We don't know when the authorities are going to tell us that we can go. So an hour goes by, another hour goes by, another hour goes by after that. In the meantime, they ran out of booze. Uh, I'm, I'm in the bistro, and the guy, there are four more Budweiser's left. Oh, God. <sighs> Lord of the Flies. And then I go, they uh, tell me, uh, what do you got left for food? He goes, I only have two vegetarian lasagnas. I'll take both. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, so for you. I go back to my seat. I left with a friend, and I go, don't tell anyone. This is the last of the food. So the people around me are going, wow, that looks good. What else do they have up there? And Nothing. I go, well, uh, you have to take a walk up and find out for yourself. So in the meantime, they're coming through the train, giving out these emergency snack packs. By the time they get to car nine, which is where they put all the Portland people, they ran out two seats in front of me. Depleted. Except for one pack of crackers. Who's really hungry? And nobody wanted to say yes to take Wait a pack of crackers. So everyone turned around. Apparently, somebody got the crackers. Oh. Uh, 
So in the meantime, they had run out of food. So after sitting there for like two and a half hours and telling us, no, we can't go ahead because there's an accident, the train from Portland that left like three hours before speaks past us <laughs> and you see people eating in the bistro cart. <laughs> they're eating and drinking and laughing you. And, and we're sitting there's no food there's no nothing and the toilets are overflowing <laughs> so, so finally we're still sitting then somebody's then so uh, there's trouble with the the uh, the engine on the train. I'm, Wait a minute! You told us we're, we've been sitting here for the last three hours because there was an accident. Yet there are other trains going by. Then they go. Well, we have to wait for two more trains southbound. They pass. We're still sitting there. So then all of a sudden we start limping along, limping along, and finally they go. Next stop is Tacoma. We're getting out here. Getting out here in Tacoma because I'm not going to take the chance that this is going to make it to Seattle. So like four hours late. I get out in you know Tacoma Station with all these pregnant teenagers slapping their kids around. Of course. And uh, this old cinder block building. So I have no idea if it eventually made it to Seattle, but it was already four hours late. Well, getting off at Tacoma sucks, too, but it's like getting off in Oakland. You yeah. know, you just like, you, you but just, like, I kissed the ground. I don't just... <laughs> like... oh, oh, and the other part was, the, the other part was uh, after they ran out of food and the last pack of crackers, whoever took those, they brought along these miniature uh, plastic bottled waters. Right. But they had an expiration date, which was the day before that we were on the train. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering, how does water have expiration dates, and where do they get this from? Right. So I didn't take any of that, because I had some stored away. I also kept a little plastic knife, just in case. Good for you. But in case things turned, <laughs> case things turned <laughs> ugly. But, but I, I will tell you that Amtrak is not the max. There is a higher class of people who do not kill each other. Yeah. They beat each other up. And even when it came to being such a low class, as there were only four Budweiser's left, people were tipping the guy at the bar. But, uh, yeah. No, if that was a max, I mean... Oh, no, half the train would have been dead. You'd be missing a leg. be looking around for soccer teams. Uh, well, that's great. So eventually, <laughs> made it to Seattle. Well, and of course, it sucks to have it happen at the beginning because, you because you know, you're... Well, they knew ahead of time. And you could... But when, when an accident like that happens at the beginning of your vacation, it's worse because, because you can see your remaining vacation hours ticking away by the moment. Mm-hmm. If it happens at the end, who cares? You're late to work. I mean, I guess that's bad, but I mean, it's not just... But getting a late start on your vacation yeah. sucks because you're looking at watch going, God, I've already so missed So Friday was shot. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Saturday night, I took the underground tour, which is really cool in, in Seattle. In Seattle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very cool. It's the adult tour yeah. that, that's a little bit more because they... I mean, they use words like whore and things like that because they're <laughs> kids around. But at, at the end, they give you a free drink. Excellent. Not like the little shot of water that they wanted to give you on the train. Yeah, I know. That's, that's that bottled water they gave you on the train that all it does, it doesn't slake your thirst at all. All it does is make you more thirsty. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you, like uh, they add salt to the water. Yeah, would you like a teaspoon of water? So oh, anyway, I, I have like a, uh, an hour by hour of count of my activities that I posted on my website today at RileyLive.com. We have the whole story there. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, Friday we're shot. I love the idea of you hoarding food in advance, though. You're just sort of going in I'm like... Mis- lying to people about it. Seriously. No, no, no. The food's up there. No, no, no. You should go three cars up, and then as soon as their back is turned... It- <laughs> and, and the other saving point was I brought a laptop with me with, like, four movies, which you... Yeah, you got Because there was only one movie, and once it ran out, they didn't show a second one. There no. was nothing. You got nothing. And they stopped showing the map because that was making people even angrier because the dot wasn't moving. You are here. You are still here. The dot was like in the middle of nowhere. When you go through some of these country towns on the way up, they just boarded up old buildings and, yeah. you know, Warehouseville. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and you go by an airport with, with one plane, and, you know, that's the richest person in this town who wants to escape someday. <laughs> Welcome to Shahalas International Airport. Exactly. That's oh, God. So eventually I made it. Uh, Friday was shot. Um, but but Saturday, I did have a good time doing the underground tour. Actually. Uh. Yeah. Then I found out that Lisa Wood was... was uh, 
doing some gig at Seattle Center. Had I known, I would have gone out and seen her. Yeah, she's. Uh, I think she moved here from Seattle, the KUFO promotions director, and she does Viva La Luna on mm-hmm. KUFO. Um, well, all right then. It's, by the way, you have really underscored something here, though. That would you, whenever I travel, I don't. I assume they will give me nothing. I take my own water. I take my own food. Uh, I take my own movies uh, because I got that little uh, the, the creative vision, which is you know, I was talking about this last week. It's like a, you know, it's like an iPod basically, but you can watch movies on it. Man, I load up like nine hours worth of stuff yeah. on there. I bring a book. I bring my own, you know, the, like my own headphones. I assume they will give me nothing. Because that's always the case, right? And Portland, by the way, if you help on Amtrak from, from Portland, for some reason you always get the last cars, and it is furthest from the food. Oh, yeah. It is like a mile hike. <laughs> and and how I came back with two hot plates of lasagna, even though they were microwave. It was only through superior cunning and guile, too. But I knew it was the last of the food, and it had to be done. <laughs> I knew I had the last, but I wasn't going to tell them. No. Fantastic. I ate there knowing all you fools. Well, you know what? Is, you know where that comes from? That comes from a lifetime of listening to Bruce Williams telling uh, you how to how to handle yourself. You know, in terms of mass transit. I remember Bruce Williams. This is and we're just talking inside baseball, as they say. But Bruce Williams is a talk show host who I think is still on. He does like sort of common sense financial advice. I remember Bruce Williams doing the greatest show one time. Uh, it was like a whole segment where he was talking about how to get somebody bumped from a flight that you want to be on. Oh. Uh, and it was a great Tiger. I'm going to tell you a little. Something here. Now, if you need to get on a flight and they're telling you the flight is booked, I'm going to give you a few little rules that'll help you get that person bumped and put your butt in that seat. Me? Yeah, I'm Bruce. And I'm going to filing that away. And I never got to use it, but I always wanted to. So you're right, but it, don't it, they pay you money if you get bumped anyway? I don't really know how they do it anymore. I know that they do the thing of like we are looking for one person to stay overnight and then go out first thing tomorrow. We will um, give you one, you know, round trip ticket anywhere in the continental United States. And I'm always tempted to do it, but then you never do. Yeah. Just like I'm because always. You're always stuck in some place like Dallas, you know. It's and always, you don't want to stay overnight. And it's always a place like you got to get to right away, so yeah. you can't take advantage of it. But oh, and then at my hotel. There were teenagers outside my door all night because it was like this open hallway outside overlooking yeah. the pool, having their own little party <laughs> all night. And I had to get up and catch the early train at 5 a.m. after half an hour's sleep. And there were sweet tarts all over the place, so I knew they were like preteens. <laughs> so to pay them back, knowing that they went to bed at like 5.30, I made sure I said, now these, these are paper-thin walls. You can hear the slightest whisper. Uh-huh. So I made sure... That I set the rap station for 7.30 a.m. and I cranked up the volume all the way. <laughs> that is Knowing fantastic. there's nobody in that room. That is wonderful. You're a good person, Tim Riley. You're damn right. I try to be the best person I can. Excellent. Little hooligans. Little bastards. They get what's coming to them. That is great. Screaming and throwing sweet tarts all over the floor. <laughs> Where are the parents? <laughs> Excellent. This is already the best show ever. And I've um, only been gone for wait three days. You know, but you need to go occasionally. See, some people think that we second refresh the program. So, I was just going to say, some people think that we go on vacation or that we uh, take days off or whatever to relax or to revivify. It really is just to recharge the hate. That's what it is. It's like your hate cells start to run low, and you got to get a refill on it. Reminds you that the outside world is it, just. Nasty. It's not that we travel first class or something. Oh no! Oh God, no! <laughs> Oh, it doesn't improve much outside of the building than inside the building. No, tell you that. no, it does not. Excellent. That's wonderful. So I'm happy to be home. All right. Well, we're glad to have you back. Uh, Timmy Ryan was here uh, contributing his own brand of whimsy uh, to the program on Friday. So uh, there was a... Ah, uh, never mind. I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, we're joined today by Kristen Bowie in for the vacationing Sarah Dillon, who's actually in uh, New York as we speak. Hello, Kristen. How are Hello. you? Hello. I am good. I actually... I, I went to the Say It Ain't Weezer show this Saturday, and I got to see a Cure tribute band. Were they Exploding Boys? Is yes, that what it was? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
There were people dancing out in the street. I uh, I heard a little bit of this. I heard uh, a little bit of uh, musicology last night, which is uh, the show you do with uh, Timmy Ryan, 7 to 9 on Sundays. So a couple things. A, is it true that you got to introduce Say It Ain't Weezer? Yes. That's pretty yes. cool. Yes. Uh, and then you saw the Exploding Boys, who are uh, a Cure tribute band. And I do they still have the uh, do they still have the Asian Robert Smith? Yeah, oh, not the Asian Robert Smith. The Robert Smith that they have now is like this gigantic Robert Smith on steroids. Basically. That's like linebacker yeah, Robert he's, Smith. He's like six foot four and just this big hulking guy, and he he's fantastic. It was awesome. Excellent. They're a good band, actually. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the Exploding Boys, who again are a Cure tribute band, a couple times uh, because for a while I knew a guy who was in the band. I knew a guy who played like second guitar or something, and that. Tribute bands are sort of, you know, they're sort of interesting or sometimes funny anyway, just because the whole notion is a little is a little funny. Man, it's yeah. not like it's silly, but it's you know it's a little weird. And I've talked about how you know, like I saw No Quarter a while back, which is this sort of Zeppelin tribute band, and where they they all look convincing until the Jimmy Page guy turns and you see profile because then he's like at the big gut. Because he's, he's shirtless wearing a white dragon kimono. So it's like a white dragon kimono open with, like, the bare chest that's all sweaty. Oh. Which, again, it works until he turns sideways. And then you see, like, the, like he swallowed the big bowling ball. And no one is no one has the guts to be like, Bob, you got to button that up. Um, the exploded movies are funny, though, because for a long time, you know, there's one member of the Cure, back the real Cure, kind of back in the day, who wore a dress on stage. And so a friend of mine who joined the Exploding Boys, and he refused to wear the dress. They're like, you got to wear the dress. we got to be historically accurate. And so the compromise was that he would wear the dress over his jeans. So you would see him on stage with, like, a dress and then, like, his, like, Levi's underneath it. So it just looked, That's like, great, stupid. Um, and then there was a big fight inside the Exploding Boys sort of camp uh, about who got to be Robert Smith. And so the compromise was that they had two Robert Smiths. So the guy singing... And playing uh, rhythm guitar was uh, Robert Smith. And then also the drummer, who was Asian, was also Robert Smith. So you would go to see this insane Cure cover band where there was like one guy in a dress but wearing pants. And then another guy who may have been the muscular guy you're referring to who's being Robert Smith up front. And then another guy who's clearly Asian in the background also dressed as Robert Smith but drumming. And you're watching this going like, what the F am I watching? Like, where am I? It's like being in some weird Fellini film or something. So, and it was at that panorama place, which is like a little oh. bit of a freaky place anyway. It's like you're, it's like you're in hell. Yeah. That place is like, it, 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 seriously, it's like you've fallen into Caligula or Did something. Close? I don't know. Oh yeah, that's a movie theater. Now. Long time ago. So anyway, uh, well, I don't even know what we're gonna. What time is it? Eleven twenty-eight. And we have Steve at eleven thirty-five. Mm -hmm. So little to do. So much time. Um, well. I'm going to do a quick triage here and see what am I what am I able to talk about. Well, I will say this, two things. One, um, uh, so I went out on uh, Saturday uh, to uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger's event. Miles Around was having a listener event at Dominic's. I went up to that. It was kind of an all-day thing. But that was pretty great, A, because I went there in the afternoon and I got to see Tour de Force, which is the band that is Timmy Ryan from the Pimp Squad, Adam from the Pimp Squad, Don Sloan from the Traffic Department upstairs, and then Greg uh, Nibbler uh, from the Street Team. So I went out and got to see them play, and it was just, I mean, they really, how do I put this? I will use Adam's own words to describe their performance. When you've got rock on your side, you don't need to practice. <laughs> In between so, Timmy's rantings about how great his drumming was. It was just, it was just like, I, I, I don't know if it was sort of great or bad or some mixture of the two or some sort of surrealist Dada-esque kind of 
uh, art exhibit that they were doing, but I mean, they really did sell it. I'll put it that way. They they so and re, you got to see it. You got to see those guys play it for no other reason than they do uh, a great version of Cat Scratch Fever right into a Ween song, which isn't like a combination you're really going to see anywhere else. And then later on, uh, Appetite for Deception played, and they're always fantastic. Um, I don't have time to talk about a whole lot more here, um, except to say that. Uh, I don't even know if I have time to discuss this. But so I haven't eaten anything since. Um, let's see. What what time is it now? It's eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. I haven't eaten anything since uh, yesterday, like eight o'clock. You'll survive. Yeah, because, I haven't do that myself. Well, you're not getting the same things I did. No, uh, I'm not getting the. The, I don't like it, the, the the upper GI or lower GI or whatever. I don't have to drink the barium milkshake, but I have to get a oh. I have to get like a like a lab test. Like they're doing that thyroid thing on me. Oh. I guess to see if my thyroid's about to explode or uh-huh. if I even have one or whatever. So I got to do that thing where like okay, and you need to fast uh, for 12 hours. But then I realized I should have eaten this morning and then I didn't, and so now I'm screwed because I can't eat now. Mm-hmm. So I ate late last night and then I should have gotten up really early this morning and had something this morning, but I failed to do that. And now if I and see if I eat now, then I got to reschedule the whole thing. So now I can't eat. Also, I'm not allowed to have anything, but I think I can't even have Viso, which sucks. Uh, so I can only have caffeine. So I have lots of caffeine in my body and absolutely no food. So That's always an awesome combination. Yeah, and then I get to go, you know, have needles jabbed at me later on today so they can tell me if I'm going to die. So oh, that's, that's cool. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's what insurance is for. And that is exactly what, you know, you got to milk. You're not doing it if you don't. And, you know, you got to milk it now, Tim. Yes. you got insurance. you got to ring it for every cent you possibly can. As I do. Because the thing is, if you put it off, if you put off, if you've got insurance in this country of ours, in this fading republic, if you have insurance, if you're lucky enough to get it, which I have not had for the majority of my adult life, for like 90% of my years on planet Earth, I never had insurance. And it's like if you, when you have it, if you don't use it, the day after your insurance gets canceled because you get fired or something, that's when you wake up and you go, what's this rash? You know, that's totally what it is. Why do I fall on a floor or, you know. You snap your ankle in eight places. Yeah. You wake up and go, what's this huge... I know that one well. What's this huge lump on my forehead? I, <laughs> this, this seems like it can't be any good. Uh, so there's that. I don't have time to get to uh, anything else. We've got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the best photograph of Dave Zinn ever taken. We'll talk about this thing in the Oregonian. And uh, let's see. we got the, uh, the whole bunch of stuff coming up, including uh, Steve Kastenbaum coming up later on, Jim Roop around the corner, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Monday. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right, according to Hoyle uh, and the CNN prep sheet, we should be talking to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop anytime now or three minutes ago. You know, whatever. Is that true? Am I reading this correctly? Yeah. Because first it was Lisa, then it was no one, then it was Steve, then it was Jim, then we moved them both around? Yeah. All right. And she so. seemed to follow all of it. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Uh, so we should be talking to Jim Roop, you know, now. Let me just stare at the warm line and see if that does anything. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Your phone call's here in just a moment. Uh, Have I already said that I haven't eaten anything for like, uh, what time is it now, 11.35? 11.30. I ate at uh, 8 o'clock last night, so now it's, uh, what, 12, 13, 14, 15. All right, 15 hours, no food, just, uh, just, you know, raw intellect and caffeine, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, I got all of this stuff uh, to get to still from, from this weekend. So I talked about going to Appetite uh, for Deception. Talked about that. I haven't talked about this unbelievably righteous picture of Dave's Inn with Ice Cube. Have you seen that? No. Man, it's like the best photograph. Uh, and I got to get it posted on, on the website. I, I have it, but I haven't posted it yet. I almost ran into Ice Cube. Oh, I got a whole thing to say about that here in just a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You are the first call of the show and of the week. You are setting the tone for all that will follow. Please don't be terrible. Go. I'll do my best. I just have a statement and a question. Yeah. Uh, first of all, a statement. I was finally able to procure a copy of Bigger Than Jesus on DVD and just watched it last night. Uh, Best thing I've ever seen on DVD. Well, if only I were not constrained by my employer from talking about that movie or referencing it in any way, I can let you do that. But uh, I, of course, cannot talk about that, sir. I would be glad to. Everyone should pick up a copy and take a look at it. That's you saying that, not me, by the way. Exactly. All right. Thank you, sir. And my question, I was just listening to the recap this morning, and uh, you were asking uh, Weird Al about who some of his uh, favorite performers were. Yes, sir. And he mentioned someone named Rick, and he ended up saying, I love Rick. And I was just wondering if you're going to isolate that and loop it and use it as your ringtone. He was talking about Rick Derringer. Oh, that's a great idea. I should totally isolate Weird Al saying, I love Rick. That is... God bless you, sir. You, you uh, You get just a little extra love from my heart today for that. Excellent. Ah. That's all I wanted. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. That's wonderful. That'll go right next to my. Uh, that'll go right next to my Craig Gas. Uh, ask Sam Kinison, uh like cell phone ring or whatever. Like if you. For, I don't have it right now, but for a long time my ringtone. If you call my phone and it would ring, it would just be it was Gas Ass Kinison. So I'm like Rick, it's Sam Kinison. You know, pick up the phone or whatever. And I don't think I have it. I don't think I have it here. Um, but all right. So I'm hesitant to begin anything here because I know as soon as I do, I will conjure. Uh, James Roop on the warm line. Let me begin something right here. I'm going to begin a segment that will take many, many minutes. Nothing will be able to interrupt it. I won't be able to answer the warm line if it rings. Now, now see, now I, but I misaimed it. Now the other lines are ringing. All right, well, whatever. Um, so we should uh, talk a bit about Ice Cube. So... You know, we share a building with, with Jammin 1075 uh, in the Playhouse, or they're just next door. And Ice Cube was in town uh, Friday. He had a show at the Roseland. So he came by. Was, and I, I don't think we, we weren't really able to talk about it in advance because I think it was sort of a surprise. I think I, I think I might be wrong about this, but I think they were springing it on people. So, but the deal is that Ice Cube uh, came by on Friday, and then the Playhouse, they do the morning show, but they came back and they did like a special live version of the afternoon show, I think just in Portland, uh, with Ice Cube sort of in there and kind of hanging out and being the sort of, you know, and he was sort of playing some of his favorite music or whatever. So, Ice Cube was here, and then everybody was, you know, there's that sort of, um, you get this at radio stations, this kind of weird sort of vibe or um, like an energy that kind of goes through a building when somebody really cool is here. It gets a little crazy. Yeah, there's a little bit of excitement in the air, and suddenly, it's like when you have a stripper in the studio. Suddenly the sales guys just start to linger around outside like so many oversexed moths around a bug zapper. The board ops finally, suddenly find something to do downstairs. Exactly. Uh, I got all this production to do that'll put me in the direct vicinity of Jenna Jameson. I I gotta get a different, I gotta go tag this automotive spot. So so it is whenever there's like a rock star or whatever here. And when uh, when Ozzy was here a few months back, Ozzy Osbourne was uh, with, suddenly people people who people didn't even think they worked here anymore. But you haven't seen during daylight hours for six months. They suddenly appear because you know you get your picture taken with Ozzy or whatever. Or the guy who's late every day suddenly is on time. Exactly. And so it was with Ice Cube. So Ice Cube was here and he sat in. He did the whole thing. And I had told I told Susan Reynolds I'm like you know I'm never this guy I don't ever ask for this I don't I don't ever linger and loiter around just trying to get my photo taken but I got to get my picture taken with Ice Cube um, because I am a lame white guy from the 80s 
Uh, and then, of course, right at just at the moment he leaves the studio and then starts doing the photographs, there was a little bit of a fire I had to take care of upstairs, and I missed the whole thing. I get done. I come out of my office. He'd just gotten back into his escalator or whatever and, like, rolled on out, oh, so I missed him. Nice. So I missed I missed him by, like, five seconds. Jason Crump is like, hey, you just missed Cube. He just walked out. And I was like, God, cruel fate. But it was made up for by the fact that Dave Zinn, who was the gatekeeper here at the front, uh, and Don Sloan, who works in the traffic department, got their pictures taken with Ice Cube. Actually, right, and it has the the AM 970 logo in the background because That's it was nice. Because I told I was sitting here too, yeah. And I told Dave, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get my picture taken with Cube. I got all the stuff to do. Uh, you you got to represent for me. I said, sort of half in jest. And so, God bless Dave Zinn. He got the photo taken right in front of the AM 970 studio and logo. It's the best thing ever, and I'll get it posted on my blog later today so you can see this. Uh, if you don't know Dave Zinn, and I know he hates it when I say this. But he is that record store clerk from High Fidelity that's not Jack Black or John Cusack. That it's the new Bell and Sebastian. Totally. He is that totally guy. Is. Uh, and so here's Cube just looking all hard like he does, just, you know, all like tough and just menacing and cool and whatever. And Ice Cube, of course, is throwing up like the West the West Side like hand sign or whatever. And so is Dave Zinn. And so there's Dave Zinn and Ice Cube standing right next to each other, and Dave is totally like putting on like his street face, like yeah, West Side. It's like the best thing that's ever been photographed. I mean, they ought to just quit taking pictures in this building because there's nothing will ever top that. Uh, so I will get that uh, posted uh, later on today. So let me just... Uh... Richie Bristol, what do we know about Jim Roop? Don't be a wiseacre. Do we, do you, do you, let me ask you this. If I were to ask you if we would be uh, speaking to Jim Roop inside this segment, would I regret it? Will we be speaking to Jim Roop inside this segment? I hope so. Way to be a game day player. Thanks. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. I just wanted to let you know I had a VSO sighting in Moses Lake, Washington this weekend. Moses Lake. And, yeah. I went there for the uh, Jack show with the family um, at the Gorge and then uh, went an extra day camping. And my... Uh, my stepson, who's nine, has always been wanting to drink the energy drinks, and we've been, you know, he kind of looked, told him, you know, they're not really good for you. And I said, well, you can try this Viso, the, the the one that doesn't have caffeine in it, and he fell in love with it immediately. And excellent. It was uh, it was strange seeing it in a in a minute mart in Moses Lake, and I just thought you should know it was uh, pretty neat to see. Excellent. Thank you for supporting our fine sponsors, my friend. You got it. Best you uh, ever. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's like when my wife and I were in Kennewick a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, and it's just, in Kennewick, it's a life sucks, and you hate yourself, and you want to die, and whatever. And then we stopped at a, at a convenience store. Bam, right there. Like a little taste of Portland is what that was. Also, let me say this about Moses Lake. Moses Lake is a place, I think, A, our director of engineering, Brian Jones, is from there. B, I have only been to Moses Lake once in my life, and it was for a debate tournament when I was maybe... 15, something like that. So I don't remember oh, anything. Those are a whole other world in itself. Totally. I don't remember what it looked like. I don't remember anything about it. All I remember is that there were like the hottest girls ever on the Moses Lake debate team. I don't know what it is, man. It's like, it's typically, I mean, let's let's be honest. No one really goes into the debate team because you're like a flourishing social butterfly and all kinds of gorgeous. That's just, it's just not the way it works. Uh, you Usually see... the special kind of geek. Exactly. Awesome. Were you on the debate team? Uh, debate, I did um, pros and student government. Too. All right. What kind of debate did you do? Did you do, wait, before you answer, did you do Lincoln-Douglas debate or did you do uh, or did you do policy, uh, also known as cross-ex debate? Realize that my whole assessment of you as a person is riding on this answer. Typically policy. Oh, whatever. 
Hey, All right, fine. hey. You know, that's fine. You know, policy's not real debate, Kristen, just so you know. Okay. And I would like to uh, bring this uh, fact to the attention of anybody out there who perhaps is going into the verbal forensic arts. Uh, if you go into policy or cross-ex debate, people will think less of you for the rest of your life. Lincoln-Douglas debate is the only real debate. Everything else is... Uh, and I got the finals in radio commentary every time. I'm just saying. Come on. Everything else is just a bunch of bastards wheeling around a suitcase full of uh, three-by-five cards because they think it makes them look smart. All right. Um, so, at Moses Lake, blah, 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 uh, girls, something or other. So, I will do these notes, and apparently, if, you, if it sounds like a, it's a little weird, we're sort of killing time a little bit here, it's because now Rupa's is claiming he's going to call us right back. So, it's all very awkward. I don't, so I'll just do all my small stuff here uh, before we talk to uh, Jim Rupp. Hello, sir, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, this is Sandy. I didn't get through on uh, uh, Friday, but uh, something for Sarah Dillon to do would be to uh, uh, go up to Harlem and uh, uh, go into uh, go see Bill Clinton and tell him that she works with somebody who loves Monica Lewinsky almost as much as he does. Yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't be awkward at all. The other thing you can do when you're in Harlem is you can eat at a restaurant called Patsy's. And Patsy's is a Harlem restaurant which was frequented by Frank Sinatra uh, back all the way through the 60s. And Patsy's is home to one of the finest pizzas I've ever had in my life. And there are multiple photos. And it's unchanged since 40 years ago. There's pictures everywhere of Sinatra eating there. I do believe so. I think what that, I think it's a restaurant. And it's like a venue. it's like Dante's, you know, where where you can go there to see a show and then you can get a slice while you're there. Yeah, I heartily oh, recommend twice. it, sir. Okay. All you right. talked about how good they're. Hey, great best show ever. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. There's that. Uh, let's see. Let's do one more observation here, then we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop. Let's see. I've got uh, one, two, three, four. Pick a number between one and five. Three. All right. It's my observation from this week. I made this observation Saturday at 11:09 a.m. So my wife and I were driving along. We saw a guy drive by us at a Humvee. And then, of course, that triggered the whole conversation about how a Humvee gets 11 miles to the gallon. And how really, however much people may have thought you were a jackass maybe a year ago, uh, that's just by a factor of 10 at this point. Because you're not only a jackass, you're a jackass with no money. Or you're a jackass with an infinite amount of money. In either event, people hold you in just the utmost disdain. They started using it as a status symbol. And it's relatively annoying. Yes. uh, Anyway. So I was making this observation that if the Humvee company really wanted to sort of make a little bit of inroads, they ought to make like a hybrid Humvee, which then led to the phrase, they should create an electric Hummer which made me giggle in, like, five different ways. So there you go. That's my only observation that we're going to get to right now. They should make an electric Hummer. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Sorry about the, whatever confusion may have no, happened that's, today. That's okay. I apologize, too. So we'll, we're all sorry. So hey. apparently, just so we can back up for just one moment, so apparently you were told you were going to call us at 1.15. Yeah. So I do believe that means that Steve Kastenbaum probably thinks... He's not calling at 115, Kristen, so we should okay. clarify all of that at some point. It's just become a whole thing. That's okay. All right. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you very right. much. How was your weekend? Satisfying in every regard? Satisfying in every regard, every respect. That's really? Right. Are you just saying that to make the question go away, or is it true? No, you know, it was okay. It was a weekend. All right. Hey, so here's the thing that I don't ever keep track of because I don't have any kids, and that is when the when school starts to get underway, and it prompts that... The thought in my head that there really is no sadder moment when you're a kid and then when you go to the store or the mall or whatever with your mom and then you start seeing all that back-to-school crap that's hanging everywhere. And that's just a 
that is a unique brand of sadness uh, that, that sort of paints your soul, you know. You know, when you walk into the store, hey, kids, get your back-to-school supplies. And then you just, you have a moment of, a moment of small sorrow for your departed summer. Yeah, which is, which is why uh, on this year's back-to-school stuff I had to do, I decided to talk with uh, incoming kindergartners. They don't know anything about school. And, and some of them may have been to preschool, but that's pretty much babysitting. Right. So, I mean, they're really excited about school. I was very uh, – it, it was just nice to, to not to have to talk to uh, kids who are going, oh, man, it's my summer's over. You know, and, and the little kids who are really excited about going to school and, you know, seeing all the hooks on the walls and the desks and celebrating holidays and stuff like that. So it's actually pretty cool. Now, kindergarten – do you all do that thing in California where the kindergarten day is split in half and it's like you either go in the morning or you go in the afternoon? Uh, some schools do that. Yeah. Uh, the public schools do it. The private schools don't. You know, I had to, uh, for kindergarten. Uh, even though I went to a, uh, I went to a Catholic, a parochial school. Um, I had to go in the morning, and it just, uh, you know, even even at that point, even at the age of five, I was able to sort of figure out uh, that I'm not a morning person at all. And so <laughs> it's like it just started my 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 uh, my journey down the path of of curmudgeonly behavior, even at the age of you know four or five years old, however old I was, because you know your mom starts coming in like. 6.30, time to get up. Oh, God, I hate this. Oh, damn you to hell. Yeah, and that's when you realize how much truth is in that Stewie Griffin character on Family Guy. Yeah. You know, vile woman, curse you! As she's coming and getting me, getting me out of bed. And, and kindergarten is such a weird... Kindergarten is such a weird phase of the educational system because you're not really learning anything as such. You know what I mean? It's not really... Kindergarten is sort of like... I don't want to say training wheels. There's probably a better analogy I could come up with. But you realize sort of retrospectively that kindergarten is really only there just to start getting you molded into, uh, into a routine. Into a routine yeah. and just, uh, you know, and it's just starting, to, uh, starting to shape your mind so that you will not question uh, the authority of your corporate masters. I just remember them trying to teach us how to cut out a circle and going, why are we doing this? Yeah. I mean, you know, it really is. It's, My classmates eating paste. That's the other thing. <laughs> it's also a little bit, it's a way to give a little bit of a running start to, uh, to maybe uh, some of God's duller children. <laughs> People who are maybe going to spend a long time, uh, you know, like, uh, like eating crayons and wetting themselves in school. Well, that's, kindergarten for me was the start of my disciplinary career. Good for you. That's when I really got, I got in a lot of trouble in kindergarten. We had a slide in our room. And we were told to be quiet when we play. Well, we're on a slide. Serious. And you're five. And you're five. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time facing the corner with my hand over my mouth. I vividly remember the nun just pointing Sister Frances to sales. She looked at me, would point to the corner, and I would. I just knew. I just knew it. I just knew the routine. Now you had to every day. You had to stand in the corner with your hand on your mouth, facing the corner. Yeah. That's. I don't remember what our punishment was. I don't know if I got in trouble in kindergarten, and I think that may have started. I remember vividly uh, getting into trouble a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, starting in second grade. As for first grade and kindergarten, I think I may still have been, I don't know, either enthralled by or terrified of the educational system, and I think I may have behaved, but that prompts this question. Do you suppose that thing of having to sit in the corner with a dunce cap on your head ever really happened, or is that a thing that just was in the New Yorker once and now we all believe that it used to take place? I don't think, I don't know that, and I've never ever seen a dunce cap. I mean, I went to Catholic school, and you figure if any place is really going to do the public shame and humiliation, it's going to be Catholic. <laughs> He's a Catholic. 
Seriously, I mean, they've raised it to an art form, really. So if they didn't do it at a Catholic school, I mean, they just skipped. The, the, a Catholic school, I don't know if it was like this for you, they went right from verbal warning to just a full-on beating. I yeah, mean, they never no, stopped at dunce cap. Public I, I swear, I used to think part of the paperwork my mom filled out was a form saying, beat my kid if you need to. <laughs> and they did, brother. Um, I I remember this, actually, and I've told this to my friend, Joni DeRoshi, who said that I never really realized maybe how strange or, I don't know, maybe uncommon this sort of was. But we were talking about school at one point because we were working on some sort of a project that had to do with, I don't know, me growing up or whatever. And it, it, was, it was talking about school. And I told her that my very, very first memory of school was of loathing somebody. And, and here's who he was. His name was Chris. I can remember just to this day. I remember my, I don't know if it was my first day in kindergarten, but it was my first memory of kindergarten where they sit us all down at a table and they bring over like some, you know, like some mimeograph things that you're supposed to color. And it was like, I don't know, it was like a big sort of cartoony spider or something like, you know, some sort of a, some sort of a drawing and you were just supposed to color, you know, and do whatever. And I remember the teacher coming along and handing out these mimeographed uh, forms and saying, all right, now we're going to come by in a moment. Don't start drawing until we tell you to start drawing. And so she gives you the drawing. She gives you the crayons. And she says very clearly, and it's kind of weird that I can remember this with absolute crystal clarity. She comes out, she goes, don't start until we tell you to start. Well, this, like, mouth breather next to me, I mean, it's like the crayons haven't even touched the table, and he's already got a fistful of them out, and he's drunk badly, I might add. And he's, like, making some weird abstract kind of dolly sort of thing all over the, 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 you know, and he's just going all outside the lines. And it really, you know, it was like he, it was like his creative center had just sort of vomited onto the page. <laughs> And the teacher comes by, and she says, Chris, what did I just tell you about not coloring until we start? And I was sitting right next to him. He was to my left. And I remember looking over at the age of five and just going, you fool. Why are you here in class with the rest of us? You know, and, and I think at that moment, that just sort of set the template for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? That for every one reasonably bright person in this, uh, on this planet, there's about 50 idiots that you're surrounded by. Yeah, in my in my in my room it was uh, Roger Randolph. See, I go with the first name. I like how you got the full on the full Christian name when you when you when you yeah, bring when, it. We're, when you're introduced as kids, that's how you're introduced, you know, and that's how you, that's what you call them. I remember Arnold McGuffey when I was a kid. He was never <laughs> Arnold. He was just Arnold McGuffey. Yeah. Hey, Arnold McGuffey, come out. Hey, Mrs. McGuffey, is Arnold McGuffey there? I mean, that's exactly who. However, you introduce to the guy. Is like Mo. Yeah. Mo only had one name. Yeah. However, you introduced to him, that's how, that's what you call him forever and ever. I guess I could see that. The other thing I remember is that we didn't have any indoor slides, but we had this sort of outdoor playground setup, whatever. And there was this slide, this metal slide that, for all the way, it seemed like it was about a billion feet high. I mean, in retrospect, it must be like ten feet, maybe, maybe. But I mean, just as when you're a kid, it just seems it's like it's like the Matterhorn or something. And I remember very clearly them giving this this long lecture about, you know, about if you're not careful, you'll fall. And then they always wheel out the study, you know, the story of one kid last year, and it's probably a fake story, right? Like, you know, that kid last year, he didn't pay attention to us, and he broke both arms, his neck, and all of his spine. He's especially now in special to, class. Especially yeah. when it has to deal with the playground. Word spreads like wildfire through that. Totally, exactly. Everybody knows when somebody gets hurt out there. Totally. And let me just, the final note here now is we're just sort of going down kindergarten lane. What was the business with having the, the teeter-totter? Man, you want to talk about a thing that not only is dangerous, I mean, you, but I mean, the teeter-totter, doesn't that almost seem just designed 
to demonstrate people. Yeah. Well, or this, or the, the teeter totter. <laughs> like how he automatically goes to the launching. And it, doesn't it seem like the teeter totter is designed to illustrate, even to your young mind, the rather atavistic and Darwinian nature of the human psyche? Mm-hmm. Because you'll be up in the air, and the bastard on the other end just gets off. Yeah. And then you fall down to the ground, and then you can feel all your vertebrae shattering. All those old toys. We were... got. We got really tired of just getting off and letting the other guy slam to the ground real early. So we started teeter-tottering with people, and then two other guys would come from two different directions and push down on it with you and try to launch the guy, and he wouldn't go very far, just kind of up a little bit and slam right back down on his, <laughs> you know, on his yoo there. And it was it was just... It was the greatest thing ever. I mean, so it's one of those things that I, I haven't gone to a playground in a long time, but I wonder if they're even still there. I know at my old school uh, that they actually got rid of the merry-go-round at, at some point because I think it was the same thing. I think they would, like, they get the merry-go-round going at, like, a billion revolutions a second, and then they would try to convince uh, some, some poor schlub to take a running start and jump onto the merry-go-round. <laughs> Which, of course, is ridiculous. I mean, it's like jumping into a wood shredder. They still have one of those at the park over on Powell. Yeah, man, you jump onto that thing, bar comes along, hits you in the jaw, and then you're taking your meals through a straw for the rest of the year. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, kindergarten really is a microcosm for all of the machinations, both good and bad, of our society, James. It's beautiful. Baby. All right. Final question. When you would go back to school, what were you more excited about? Buying, uh, getting clothing for school or getting supplies for school? Supplies. Yeah. That's, I mean, for me, it was all about finding the perfect pen. Even now, it's about finding the perfect writing instrument. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I hear you. Yeah, it's the pen. All right, excellent. Uh, anyway, sorry again about the the confusion and the so forth and the whatnots. Uh, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, I am. All right, we will talk to you then. Have a good day. Thank you. All right, there you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right. uh, hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. Have you news for us? Plenty of it. Lots of local stuff. Too. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth around the corner. We will begin the AM 970 noon news hour. Coming up later on, top five songs about a book. Geek Watch. Religious Nutcase Watch. Steve Kastenbaum talking about the Democratic Convention. And your phone call. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. In mere moments, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. All right, let's see. Uh, what else is coming up today? Uh, top five songs about a book. Uh, we have a Geek Watch on the way, Religious Nutcase Watch. Let's do a couple of these uh, emails. Let's see. Um, uh, Rick, trying to spread the word uh, of your great show to the people of St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you, sir. Uh, Friday, I had a couple of people who tuned into the live stream for the Weird Al interview. Uh, one was tuning in using his iPhone 3G AOL radio. The other was tuning in using his Sangian, Sangian, uh, Wi-Fi internet radio, da-da-da-da-da, uh, from uh, Sandy. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, Rick, did you see Jimmy Page playing at the closing of the Olympics, Phil the Brit? No, I didn't. I heard about it. I read that it was going to be happening, but then I realized that to sort of get to the Jimmy Page part, I'd have to wade through the actual Olympics, and I didn't really care enough because I figured it's going to be on uh, YouTube at some point. Did anybody here see Jimmy Page playing at the closing of the Olympics? No. I did not know. Does anybody know what Jimmy Page played at the closing of the Olympics? No. No. There you go, friends and neighbors, the most watched television event in history. Did you see they're trying to spin it as the most watched thing that's ever aired on television? It was on at like 2 a.m. That's a lie. I don't know anybody who's been watching That's my thing. I was talking to Laura last night. I'm like, there's, n- there's nobody I know who isn't sort of required by their job to watch the Olympics who is watching the Olympics. 
The only people I know who are like, yeah, I watched the Olympics last night, are people who sort of in this kind of a job who have to come and talk about it. You know, or if you're like a sports, you know, freak, I guess maybe there's, you know, maybe half the stuff there you care about. But I mean, really, who really cares about synchronized fencing or whatever the hell? No one. Not me. No, if you're kidding. I know how to fence. But, see, but I mean, did, <laughs> did you, you know how to fence. Did you watch fencing? No. There you go. Uh, synchronized swimming. No one cares. The only reason you would care is if, A, you are in the event, B, uh, someone in your family or a loved one is in the event. That's it. So the next time you hear somebody peddling this fiction that the Olympics are the most watched event in television history, kick them in the groin. Because that's just not true. That is, uh, that's just made up. Uh, let's see. Final observation. Uh, Rick, regarding your ice cube story. Yesterday, heading from my flight back to PDX in the San Francisco airport, I saw a guy standing in the middle of the concourse with ridiculous gold chains and stuff around his neck, including, wait for it, a huge clock. His head was down. I said to my girlfriend, look at that. Then I realized uh, I realized he was counting a two-inch thick stack of cash held together with rubber bands. And when he looked up, I saw it was Flavor Flav, of course. Uh, then he went to the San Francisco Soup Company uh, kiosk and got some soup. I considered breaking out some ancient P.E. line on him, public enemy line on him, or maybe just yelling uh, S1W. Instead, I just took a picture of him buying some soup, and I thought of Tim Riley when I decided the least I can do for my childhood idol is to leave him alone. So there you go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, now. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And this deal is brought to you by our friends at Leafs. Leafs Auto Collision Center. Find us to collision repair. Go to Leafs.com and find out what they can do for you. That's Leafs.com. Well, we have all kinds of stuff. Uh, a lot of it local that happened over the weekend. I'm trying to still get caught up, too, after uh, being off for three days. First, one young teenage boy is hurt. Three others arrested following an assault with a metal pipe that started on a dare. I mean, some of these teenagers are just nuts. The names of the victim and the three boys arrested that have been released since they are minors. This began at Centennial Park in Hillsborough as a dare between three teens, all about 14, who encouraged uh, one brainless teenager to attack another boy with a 12-foot-long metal pipe that they found in a nearby construction site. Of course, these uh, teenagers are mindless anyway. Th this kid uh, took the dare. The victim was struck in the back of the head twice, but was uh, conscious alert and breathing normally when he was life-blighted. A 14-year-old boy has been taken into custody and uh, turned over to uh, juvie authorities. Two teenagers with him also arrested, charged with conspiracy. There was no finder altercation prior to this. This is some foolish teenage dare. Wait, so the victim, did they know if the, if the victim knew the perpetrator? No. No. He was just kind of standing there and he got yeah. a pipe in the back of the head? Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. Can I just say what we all know to be true? Those kids are hosed. There's just their hosed. There's nothing yeah. you can do. You can't fix them, can't rehabilitate them. Uh, there's nothing, and I hate to sound like... Oh, put them on a chain gang. That's what I'm saying. They're good for manual labor. I mean, I hate to sound like a cranky old guy, but I mean, really. I Trash mean, needs to be picked up. You... Sound... <clears throat> there's, I mean... <clears throat> The world needs people to go clean up the sides of roads, and that's these kids uh, right. right here. We all know this to be true. They're we not all, the leaders of tomorrow. We all have family members, people we know, maybe the children of loved ones, and you look at them and you have to mouth uh, sentiments like, well, I'm sure he'll straighten out one of these days. No, I'm sure he'll, uh, he's gonna, you know, he'll, you know. The world needs ditch, ditch stickers. Kids too. mature at different rates. I'm, uh, you know, he's just got to find really whatever he's passionate about. And you know in your head, loser. You know in your loser or criminal. Uh, you know, I have, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Well, of course. I well, do. you do. So, you know, my brother, 
uh, it was one of the smartest people I know. My brother is a not a loser. No, not a loser. Uh, and is a is a child psychologist for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, how do I put it? Uh, let me just say this. My brother, who is a child psychologist uh, as his profession, has often um, voiced the sentiment that it does appear that after a certain age, regardless of what the educational or psychiatric societies and communities would have you believe, once they reach a certain age, they really are losers for life. I mean, we all know this to be true. Yes. No one will say it, but it is, it is a fact. I know this well. I'm from Gresham. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you show me, the, show me the boy at age eight, I will show you the man forever. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, here's the meanest elephant in the world, and she just happens to live at the Oregon Zoo. She's not going to get a, an award for Mother of the Year, Rose 2. is being a real problem all of a sudden. She gave birth to a baby elephant. That infant was crying for Mother's milk and comfort. He got neither. Now, this all happened... Saturday afternoon, the Oregon Zoo thought they'd have, you know, their, uh, well, their Ron Burgundy moment with this elephant, when the mother elephant started uh, beating the baby elephant, <laughs> all on the television. So, oops, technical difficulties, nobody can see anything anymore. And, you know, it was going live to some sort of a, like a children's group or some sort of, like, local, uh, like a like a church organization with lots of youths gathered around. Middle school science uh-huh. class. Totally. So as soon as this calf is born, quietly lying on the floor, Rose, too, got more and more agitated. She nudged him, and then she started kicking the damn thing. The alarm zookeepers had quickly separated the two and cared for the calf in the adjoining room. The bewildered uh, child was poked, prodded, and examined first with broken balls. There aren't any. Uh, and then uh, they gave him some elephant formula because Rose, too, failed to provide her motherly duties. Had the, uh, had the baby elephant uh, done something to provoke the no. mother? Perhaps it was postpartum depression like Marie Osmond. <laughs> the el- it's the Andrea Yates of the elephant world. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Rose, too, was born at the zoo some 14 years ago. She was mated with Tusco, also another Asian elephant, who is on mating loan. Uh, so uh, the cat does not have a name yet, so that'll be a, a, a future contest. Should it live? You should call it Wacky. Yeah, Wacky. <laughs> a smacky. <laughs> uh, zookeepers, uh, let's see. Thought it was going to be a girl, and they did have several possible names picked out. They weren't ready for a boy, and now they have to come up with a boy's name. So the latest uh, step coming out uh, says Rose 2 is starting to like this. You'll love this child, Rose 2. Uh-huh. This is sort of a, uh, but I don't want kids. Oh, you know, but once you hold it, you'll really love it. I, uh, You know, and that's, that's another thing that's never true. Uh-huh. People who, you know people, whether they're elephants or not, you know people that, that really shouldn't have kids and maybe don't want kids, and then there's that lie that we tell people, yeah, but you know what? Once you hold your it's newborn child in your arm, you'll feel that. It'll straighten out all your problems. <laughs> your life will become. Problems begun. Your life that's will become children do. infinitely better. But uh, but I'm poor and dumb. Doesn't matter. Kid will fix everything. You know All what I mean? All you do is pray to God every day. <laughs> that's that's what Jesus is for. Exactly. So uh, apparently, let's see. Well, we always need news stories, so we keep do. breeding, I guess. All right. So uh, anyway, the zoo is uh, earnestly trying to put out uh, articles. The latest one says, uh-huh. baby elephant born to Oregon Zoo, now nursing with mother. You know, we don't know if that's true. Or not that's because everyone's behind closed doors. That's door. probably a little pachyderm propaganda is what uh, that is, Tim. So, uh, all right, I do love the idea of now suddenly... Now they're saying the cap was in the wrong place when it got beaten. So, what does that mean? Well, apparently they didn't put up signs saying... Eh? Uh, no, the cat continues to get stronger and is a good eater. 
The calf was in the wrong place. Yes, and that's why I get kicked. It's like a max riding experience in the elephant world. Uh, just, I don't know. It's the uh, wrong place. These things happen. They oh. believe born in the wrong place. Yeah, they believe Rose, too. Well, it was like the apparently the Oregon Zoo is like the Gresham of the zoo world to some people. <laughs> uh, the zoo trap tried to introduce uh, Rose to, uh, to the baby. A couple times it became aggressive. And now, apparently, uh, let's see here. Oh, they have nurses. So they, they're trying nurses, and they're giving it uh, some elephant formula. Has anybody considered the fact that perhaps Rose 2 is just uh, evil? We consider that possibility? Uh-huh. All right. Well, there you go. So uh, take your kids on down to the zoo and have them experience trials of life firsthand. An Iowa woman is dead after uh, she got in an accident with a log truck. This happened in Estacado. Jesus. She was struck by a Peterbilt flatbed tractor. Oh, oh. Uh, Polly Peterman of Iowa was pronounced dead at the scene. A passenger uh, remains in serious condition after being flown to a manual. The truck driver was not injured. Yeah, he tried to stay away. And cement trucks. Terrifying. Every time I, I try to avoid a cement, there's another one in front of me. Oh, it's man. any big truck for me. If I get in between them, I can't breathe until I drive past. All I, but it's, it's the log trucks, and we've talked about this repeatedly it is on this show. And I don't know whether it's a th- I don't know if it, these log truck accidents seem to happen all the time, or whether we just notice them more because we have a phobia about them. But it's that thing of when you're next to it, and all you do is you just look up and you think to yourself, if one link goes. You look in that chain holding all those trees on there, and you're like, if one link breaks, I mean, that's really all it takes is one link. Yeah. I'll go out of my way to switch lanes. Oh even God, if it's slower. Yeah, because then it's like one link pops. Then of course it's that thing where the the pressure on all the other links becomes exponential, and and then that's it. So uh, Jesus, well that's bad. All right. So I'm driving on Highway 30 to drop off the dogs uh, Friday, and I noticed that they're having this uh, bicycle race or whatever they're having, and I, I noticed also that they have to drive through construction zones, and people are driving fast around them. And so one person was hit, but long after that. The driver of the car that struck and seriously injured an 18-year-old uh, female runner participated in the Lincoln High School Portland to Coast Relay Team on Highway 30 near the Columbia-Multnomah County line. Uh, has been arrested, the driver of the car has. Apparently, she hit a girl and uh, was high on drugs. So that's what happens. The woman is still in serious condition at an intensive care unit. So these are people running alongside a highway? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's the driver's fault, but that's just a thing I wouldn't do. I would never do that. You want to run by the highway? No. No, I don't. And, and people think there's safety in numbers, and there are. No. A no. car driving at a fast rate of speed does not respect a big number of people no. as opposed to one person running No, it doesn't matter so. at all. In fact, I had to, uh, and I try never to ever to be this guy, but I had to, I had to bike on the right, uh, you know, toward the right of a busy street a while back. Uh, and it's just, you know, and the cars are whipping by you. And it's like, I, you know, I have everything right. You know, it's a light clothing. I have a two lights on the back. I have all my reflectors. I mean, I'm obeying. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm trying to be the, the, the good bicyclist. Uh, but you realize that all it takes is just one guy who's drunk or lazy or his cell phone rings or he drops a cigarette on his lap or something. Or he is just having a bad day and decided to take a few people with him. Uh, you know, and that's, uh, you know, in your toast, there's nothing you can do about it. So, I, yeah, I would, I would not do that. I would not, I would no. have not to. So the latest headline is. Rose, too, is rejecting the new baby. So what is it? She rejects it or loves it? Love reject. Somebody, it's a... Kick or nurse? She's... (laughs) (laughs) Nurse or kick? It depends on what kind of propaganda you want to believe here, I guess. Uh, So somebody said Rose, too, is just another teenage mother having buyer's remorse. Sad, really. Well, you know, it's too bad there isn't some There were some really uh... mean pictures of her earlier on the Internet, which have been removed. Some mean pictures of Rose 2 or of the baby? Snarling. Rose 2 has a terrible look on her face. Really? But she's not happy about this whole thing. Um, You know, the thing about it is, elephants need a thing like humans have, where if you you have a kid and you don't want it, you can just go drop it at a hospital or something. It's like that little... Mm -hmm. 
That little night deposit box, like for money or library books, where you can just, baby, there's that mean picture of Rose, too. Oh, she'll kill you. That can't, that's not real. That's fake. No, that's true. That is not a real picture. That's terrifying. I don't it want is. to see that again. Oh, wait, let me see it one more time. Ah! That'll give you a nightmare. Have you seen this picture? No, I come haven't. look at it. It's evil. It's like, come to mama. That's an evil elephant. I will, oh I will kick you to death. That's an elephant that'll kill you dead. Stop I hate children. Including my own. That's what that, that's what, it, it, where is that at? The zoo. Or no, 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 but the photo. Where are you seeing that photo? This is at uh, k2.com. All right, if you go to k2.com, home of Carl Click, where it says, now their headline says, Mother Elephant Continues to Reject New Baby. It doesn't love it yet in this story. Let me understand this. So K2 is saying the baby is being, I always believe the worst. K2 is saying the baby is being rejected. Who's saying that the baby is being loved? KGW. And you know that's a lie, right? I'm looking at you, KGW. You know that's a lie. She's a nurturing mom. Here's the thing, because good news is always a lie. Bad news is always right, right? You know, Frank Sinatra is at home uh, in best of health. You know, com- he's comfortable joking with family. He's dead. Dead, cremated, in a box. Uh, whenever, there's, whenever there's bad news and good news that are in direct conflict with one another, the bad news is always correct. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrifying picture of an elephant. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Doesn't look pleasant. Here's a question for you, Tim. Yeah, I'll eat you. <laughs> oh, I get to me. Here's a question, Tim. You know there's that they have that thing in most states, including, I believe, our own uh, fair state of Oregon, where you can, if you have a baby and you don't want it, you can, there's like a 72-hour window or something, you can drop it at the, the hospital. I, I was thinking about that, too. Um, did you know in Nebraska you can drop off your kid at the hospital up to the age of 14? Oh, really? It's true. If your kid's, Once it gets to be too much. If your kid is 13 and a half, it really at all, up to the, if your kid is 13 years and 11 months old, and you're just like, F this. Like, this kid sucks. I uh, I got a bad seed. You can take him and just kick him out of the hospital and leave him there, and the state takes care of him. That's horrible. Yeah, they want to make they want to raise it to 19. I was reading an article about that this weekend. They want to say that 19? To, they want to say, cause in, What's uh, the point at 19? because in Nebraska, um, a minor in many ways is under the age of 19. Okay. Uh, so they want to change the law so that in Nebraska, up to the age of 19, got booped, kick him right off of our, you know, our Lady of Perpetual Neglect or whatever. Which is fine. I don't care. But I'm just saying. So that's a mean freaking elephant right there. Here's Tim Riley. I'm going to post that picture on my website. Please do. I don't want to be the only one. It's like that horrible spider picture that somebody put on my Space blog on Friday. Jesus. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Anyway. And another example of the depressed local and national economies. The Northwest's largest daily news outlet, the Oregonian, is cutting at least 100 full-time employees. An unspecified number of part-time workers amounting to 10% of its total staff. The publisher, Fred Stickle, said the cuts were necessary due to a a deteriorating financial picture in the face of sharply declining revenues. At the same time, operating expenses, including health care benefits and newsprint prices, are skyrocketing. The cuts would be accomplished with a voluntary bio program for employees with specific job uh, categories. The Oregonian reaches 700,000 readers in print each day, more than a million unique visitors to its website each and every month. So they're they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're getting rid of how many people? Uh, let's see, 10% of their workforce, at least 100 people. All right. Well, I mean, I can pretend to be surprised by that, but I'm not. Let's see, I'm going to post this elephant picture right, right. now. Uh, let's see here. Um, no, I'm not going to read any logging. Uh, and no logging truck jokes will be read, so just to, just to, you save those for a different day. Um, all right, so now I'm reading. See, now there's, again, more conflicting stories about the elephant, so... All right. Well, at some point we'll uh, we'll try to get the definitive the definitive word on this. In the meantime, Tim Riley is, is posting. Ele- you posting the evil elephant picture in the world. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, if I didn't know better, I'd think that was a fake picture of that elephant. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the that's the last thing you see uh, before, like, your village is trampled into a paste. Well, they, they certainly didn't give her a choice of what publicity picture she wanted to use. No. That's the, uh, that's the last thing you see as your head is sort of poking out of the tent at 2 in the morning going, what's that sound outside? You know, when you're looking down at the water glass inside the SUV and just seeing the ripples as the uh, as the T-Rex stomps its way closer to your vehicle, that's the kind of face you're going to see in your nightmares. All right, everybody go to Riley Live and check out this picture of this evil elephant. Plus, you can also see the uh, video, which you can't play on the air because it's nasty, about the uh, the Fox News staff being harassed by uh, hippies at the Democratic convention. Is this the thing where Fox News was there live at the convention and everybody is just chanting F Fox yeah. News over? It's so great. Yeah. We can't play it on the air, obviously. No. Uh, you can go watch it. You can watch it at RileyLive.com, and she's like, well, we're, you know, our own blah, 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 you know, our own Bobby McDouche guy is, you know, he's, he's live at the, at the convention. And they cut to him at the convention talking to protesters, and they're live on the air. And, of course, the protesters realize this. So the protesters, dozens of them, just begin chanting F Fox News, except they don't say F, for like 30 seconds. It's yeah. so deeply satisfying to watch. So anyway... And also, uh, you can read a little essay on an Amtrak nightmare, which we discussed earlier. Excellent. Hey, uh, Richie, what did we find out about that Oregonian picture? You're the coolest. Thank you. All right, so speaking of the Oregonian and their cutbacks and the whatever, mm. uh, thank God they have enough people still working at the Oregonian that they can post uh, great-slash-horrible photos. So Richie's getting this photograph from Tuesday's Oregonian uh, scanned, and then we're going to upload it. It is so great. It's one of those... Like, you wonder... I mean, we talk about it so much because it's not quite posted yet. But you wonder exactly what kind of... Maybe they fired the proofreader. That might actually explain a whole lot if they fired the person who supposedly uh, inspects their photographs that before they like publish. That was like their one last jab. Seriously, that was... Uh, before I get fired, I'm going to put this photograph in. F you guys. I, I would think that the, the people they'd be getting rid of would be in their classical uh, classified ad staff because you can do ads for nothing on... Uh, on Craigslist. And it that's was, where everyone goes to look for classifieds now. It really would be interesting. Did you ever do this? Did you ever pick up and, you know, we love our friends at the, the Oregonian and the Willamette. And, uh, I would miss a Peter Carlin column. Exactly. Uh, you know, but, I mean, it's interesting. Did you ever pick up the Willamette, though, and you kind of flip it through the back and you, and you see, like, lots of classified ads and you think to yourself, these can't be real. I bet these are just, these are like those fake cardboard books that lawyers have in the background of their TV commercials. Like you, you're looking at this and you're going, well, here are hundreds of classified ads in the Willamette. Who's placing these? To, to make it seem like people are demanding the space or whatever. Really, the, unma yeah. the unmatchable uh, circulation of the print medium. <laughs> I saw you. I was waiting for a bus and saw you drive by in a Mercedes and know you want to see me again. I mean, the only thing I, I was just actually going to say, the only thing... I don't mean to pick on the Willamette, but the only the, the thing about print ads, the only section I could actually see having any appeal is the I saw you. And here's the reason for that, is because maybe you figure, I mean, the personals might actually still be a good deal, because you might figure that there's so many online personal sites now that they might be just overcrowded or whatever. And so you figure maybe if you're placing a print personals ad, you know, maybe there's a greater chance you'll get noticed or something because there's fewer people. You know, there's not as many ads. You won't get lost in the mix or and something. Plus, there's always 50 guys out there writing about uh, creepy guys out there writing about the baristas that they have crushes. Oh God! Them. Oh, how true is that? Uh -huh. How true is boy? Every third one, you hot hot barista at Starbucks yeah, exactly. in Lads Edition. Me, like creepy guy who could be your father who drools a lot and breathes heavily when talking to you. Yeah, you're the cream in my coffee. <laughs> oh, no. You're totally, you're totally right, though. You, I had forgotten, I had forgotten how the prevalent barista, that was. The barista, I can't wait to respond. Exactly. Well, the barista, it must be difficult to be, uh, you know, uh, any sort of a coffee, you know, sort of barista type, 
Uh, because, you know, especially at Starbucks, because they do that thing of forcing you to learn the customer's name, so you have that, like, faux familiarity. Hi, uh, Ted. Would you like your, you know, double half-calf mocha the almond thing again today? Because it's not bad it, enough it, acting like you like them, you know? And Ted is thinking, oh, I know you really love me deep down, sugar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you just can't say it here. I'll come back tomorrow. Do you see the way she used that, that chocolate and the cream to draw that little leaf pattern in the top of the cup? She wants me. You know? All right. I saw her running her tongue along her teeth. She was putting in my extra ingredients. Seriously. And the, and, and the number of things, the amount of things that guys will look at as indications that girls are into them is really just pathetic and, and staggering. You know what I mean? And guys will do stuff like that. No, no, no. She touched her left earlobe uh, right after she handed me the coffee. That means she uh, That means she wants it right now. I can tell. No, I read a book about it. Did, did you see that body language when she's actually hitting the switch to grind up more coffee? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how much grief. Well, we just had that thing last week about that woman at the, the whatever, the bikini coffee place where the guys like, uh, when I said bikini right now, I gestured to my breasts as though I had them. But that woman at the bikini, the bikini place where the guy comes by and he's like, he's like, tackle out, you know? Yeah. He's like, hey, look at this. Uh, I know you want to see this. <laughs> this will really make your day. This is why you come to work here, isn't I mean, it? I feel like sharing. I mean, I, I, mean, I know that they, they choose to have that job and all, but that's just got to, that's just got to be the suck, like on so many levels. Mm -hmm. All right, here's Tim Riley. Beaverton police are investigating a bizarre incident at an apartment complex. They were called to uh, a West Center Street Beaverton apartment after reports that a man and woman dressed like and presenting themselves as cops entered the house, assaulted a guy there. The two handcuffed the guy, then hit him with a club, pepper spray, and a taser. The sound of the commotion woke up a female resident of the apartment who then pers uh, pursued to leave with the suspects. She was taken to a park in southeast Portland where she was asked to complete a written statement regarding disclosure she made to the suspects while inside the apartment. This is really weird. The female victim was not assaulted and was taken to Beaverton and then released. The male victim was not hurt. The two suspects took a cell phone and some drugs before mm -hmm. leaving. Wait, so now somebody has said further elephant clarifications. Um, I don't know who to believe anymore. <laughs> so um, apparently that photo that you have put on Riley live is not the mother. That is apparently the baby. People are now claiming that photo on Riley that Live. That looks like an adult woman. I am oh, looking at a picture of the baby. <laughs> well, you are in Portland. I'm looking at a picture of the baby and then the mother. So <laughs> Looks like one of Clackamas's finest. Um, Perhaps I'm stereotyping certain <laughs> um, in our fair city, but uh, that so, looks like a mother elephant to me. Yeah, it's a lot bigger than the baby picture that they have. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wait, I don't even know. So... Ah, We're giving so, so much confusing information. It's all about an elephant. I'm glad we could be part of the problem. Today. Child beating elephant. Glad we can. <laughs> glad we can obfuscate and confuse whenever possible. So the photograph on Riley Live. That's the mother or the baby. The mother. All right. And everybody who says differently. You're dead to us. Uh, we're gonna, that's, our, that's our story. We are going to cling to that, like a man clinging to a hunk of driftwood after a shipwreck. Um, so, but somebody has pointed this out. So the mother has repeatedly tried to kill the baby elephant. Maybe yeah. the mother knows something we don't. Maybe it is, in fact, the baby that is evil. Maybe it's like an omen. Like an antichrist Maybe elephant. the baby's an imposter. I was just going to say that. Yeah, maybe there's something we don't know. Maybe it's like a Rosemary's Baby type deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether the baby elephant is possessed of some Elephants sort of do, animals do have that other sense. It is true. They have a, they have the second sight sometimes. All right. Maybe we should all band together and kill the baby. We shouldn't. That was just said for that was just said for satiric purposes. 
I'm Let's saying, talk about something. Totally I'm weird. saying maybe the baby elephant, maybe the baby elephant is evil and that the sounds, mother consents like it. That sounds like a great nature promotion. Rick Emerson caught with a steak. Susan, yeah, put together a promotion to kill the baby elephant. <laughs> an area DJ, except they wouldn't say that. They would say CBS Radio and AM 970. <laughs> Only when you do something wrong. I'm just saying, isn't it true in nature that uh, parent animals will sometimes dispatch the young animals if there's something wrong with them? Is that not the I've case? I've heard that to be true, but... Uh, so I'm wondering if maybe there's something deeply wrong with the child elephant, and the mother senses it in a way that we humans with our tiny brains cannot. This is like oh, a, that might be true. It's like a woodland critter Christmas kind of a thing, where the, maybe, the, uh, maybe the baby elephant is, in fact, a fabled antichrist. I'm going to start that rumor right now. Freaky. The baby elephant of the zoo is the antichrist. I everybody suppose that's just, possible. Everybody just take that information and do with that what you will. I think an elephant antichrist could do a lot more damage than a human one. Seriously, it could kick yeah. you. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, apparently, a woman stabbed an Oregon City man in the back at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, let's see. Under arrest is Sean Latchney on charges of assault. They're still looking for a 30-year-old woman who's also a suspect in the stabbing. Okay, so he had help. Officers said uh, Faith Smith is wanted for questioning regarding the stabbing, and police are asking anyone who's seen Faith Smith. Any Faith Smith out there, please contact them, because they want to speak to her about uh, stabbing some guy in the back By in, the, in Oregon City at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, this email says, Rick, I saw the news media cutaways from Rose 2 and her attempted filicide, and while I'm glad that the baby elephant survived the stomping his mother tried to give him, I was... So far. <laughs> Day's not over. Uh, he said, I was thinking the whole time... This is the exact situation that probably occurred in Britney Spears' hospital room. Probably twice. Maybe we should just name the baby elephant Jaden James. <laughs> Good observation, sir. Here's Tim Riley. Trails of cigarette butts littered the campus, and now they're thinking about having a smoking ban at Clatsop Community College. For the love of God. Where you meet the future today. Uh, the sentiment is running into high, some high-level resistance. College and student leaders have failed several measures to keep students from dropping their cigarette butts. And this is at what school? Uh, this is the, the fabulous Clatsop Community College. That is a community college paid for by uh, by state tax dollars, is it not? I suppose so. It's over in uh, Astoria. Mm. Apparently, there are cigarette butts everywhere around the campus. The problem appears to be getting worse. Discarded uh, filters, blanket flower beds, collected in storm drains, and build up in doorways. People are stopping out cigarettes in They doorways. build up in doorways? This is supposed to be college. Sounds like... Don't they have a janitor? Or trash cans? Yeah. Apparently, uh, let's see, some college leaders aren't doing enough to protect public health, say some. But the college president, Greg Hammond, said he isn't convinced that a tobacco ban is the answer. He calls it a personal decision, even though he thinks it's a bad decision. To some students, though, the decision is more than personal. They say it's fouling their campus in their air, costing taxpayer money to clean up cigarette butts. Well... Uh, all right. Um, so Tim does not smoke. I do not smoke. Kristen Bowie? I don't. Good for you. Richie Bristol smokes. Richie Bristol is the, uh, and Sarah smokes uh, socially. Uh, but Richie's really the lone full-time smoker. Richie, how many packs a day do you smoke? Four or five. You're lying. How many, really, no fooling, how much do you smoke? A pack a day? That's not, I mean, really in the grand scheme of things, but no. like, by Portland standards, that's not that bad. I used to smoke by quick cold turkey. I was a, Really? Yeah. Good I, for you. I, I did it as soon as I graduated college, and I was up to a pack a day. Was so. it either cigarettes or food? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of smokers in radio have been in that, been in that situation. So I can eat a smoker. I can eat. All right. Uh, she's going to cold turkey it. Um, but um, uh, what was I saying? Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, 
So I know this has become like a once a week thing for me, but uh, but I was just uh, it was at my father's place the other day, uh, and then I got an email from somebody who who was down from Seattle, had never been there, and he heard me talk about my father's place. He went in, had himself some breakfast. Ever. Seriously, yeah. it's like a little slice of Portland heaven. It really is. And I don't smoke, but it's my choice to go there. But it, 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 it's like this: the smoking ban that's going to kick into effect at the end of this year, about which I will begin speaking even more frequently as the year goes on, really just makes me so. And I don't even smoke. It just fills me with such anger. It, you know, it makes me so angry that actually I want to file a lawsuit. I'm not even a smoker, and I want to file a lawsuit about it. And I'm kind of amazed that nobody has. And maybe they have, and I wasn't sort of privy to it. But I'm kind of surprised that the ACLU, uh, an organization to which I've contributed money for many, many years, hadn't actually stepped in to file some sort of a lawsuit to try to block the smoking ban, which does seem like the most egregious violation uh, you know, of personal liberties. So... Maybe it's just me. I'm kind of torn on it. So. I'm not torn. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I don't smoke. It's revolting and it's disgusting and it's expensive and stupid and vile and offensive and whatever, but it's also legal. Uh, smoking is a legal behavior. Tobacco and cigarettes are legal products. So, anyway, thus ends the rant uh, for now. I'm just saying. Do you know how much a pack of cigarettes costs in New York? No. Yes. Oh, it's going to be at least five. Twelve dollars. Yikes. Sarah was, Sarah was. I guess I can say this now. Sarah was buying a carton of cigarettes on Friday. She's like, seriously, she's like, before I fly, I'm gonna get a carton of cigarettes. So uh, because she's classy, she uh, went to a, like some smokes for less place and bought a carton of cigarettes to take with her because cigarettes are twelve dollars a pack in New York. Yikes! I'm just insane. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, uh, from Washington comes word the new Clallam County Sheriff's Department patrol car caught fire while a deputy was investigating a report. And its engine was turned off. This is one of seven brand new 2008 Ford Crown Victorias that the department purchased from Ford Motor Company. The vehicle had about 3,000 miles on it when the engine burst into flames. Jesus. Wow. Uh, the fire is fairly small, but some hose and uh, wiring will probably have to be replaced. Well, I imagine a fire would burn quite a bit. There's no estimate on the repairs yet. This is from Blinn, Washington. B L Y N. I've never heard of that. Not that it matters. Speaking of not mattering, Kennewick police are looking for several <laughs> vandals who damaged several cars and homes over the weekend. They threw golf balls through Cowan House windows near West Deschutes Avenue, North Center Parkway, and South Path. They also say over $2,500 worth of damage was done. There's nothing in Kennewick worth $2,500. could have been half the city that A was lie. Happening. Investigators believe the incidents could be connected to several house eggings earlier this month. Eggings? From really? eggs to golf balls. That's, that's the, getting more and more violence. That's the progression to them. First it's eggs, then it's golf balls, then it's... Uh... Seems like there ought to be a third thing there that's a punchline. I'll just read this instead. Rick, about the Oregonian. This weekend I had a guy stop at my house trying to sell me the Oregonian. I tried to politely tell him I wasn't interested, and he just sort of looked forlorn and ended up offering it to me for free for six months. I still told him no, and then he just slinked sadly down the street. Well, there you go. Here's a, Let's do one more, and we'll take a break. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let me tell you about the, uh, the bare naked lady singer Ed Robinson and three others. They hiked out of Canadian wilderness... Yesterday afternoon, after their float plane, uh, float plane crashed near Baptiste Lake in Ontario, this was a Cessna 206. It was taking off from the lake with a lost airspeed. It entered a wooded area off the lake. All four occupants on the plane were not injured. Robinson received his pilot's license in 2005 and hosted a television show documenting his air travels. He was the pilot when it crashed. Last month, his bandmate Stephen Page made headlines when he was arrested for snorting cocaine in his girlfriend's upstate New York apartment. I was just going to say, I'm not saying this is the case, uh, but this does sound like an interesting way to sort of get uh, attention off the fact that they just put out a Disney album or a children's album, which was torpedoed by the fact that Stephen Page got busted for having a big bag of cocaine, allegedly. 
Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum. Top five songs about a book. Geek Watch still on the way. Religious Nutcase uh, Watch on the way. And uh, your phone call. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Tim Riley returns in just a moment with uh, more news and frivolity. Coming up later on, we'll do today's top five. Top five songs based on a book. All right, let's see. Here's another observation from this weekend. And I got, man, we got all this news to get to. I think Richie has a... Uh, I think Richie, in conjunction with Cheryl upstairs, I think they got the uh, the photograph uh, from the Oregonian scanned, which means I'll be able to get that uh, posted. Um, so I had an observation from this weekend. This isn't that interesting. Uh, this is actually my wife. My wife made an observation that there really ought to be a color called Hooters Orange, because we would like we had like some of the like a like a dump truck or I don't know, the cement truck or something, some sort of industrial truck drove by us, and it was painted exactly the same shade of orange that you always associate with Hooters restaurants. And you know there is such a thing as Pepsi Blue. Uh, Pepsi actually has their own color trademarked, uh, and it's that sort of like weird, swirly blue color that's on cans of Pepsi for the last three or four years. So there really ought to be a color called Hooters Orange, because it's unbelievably descriptive, and everybody knows immediately uh, about what you are talking. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Pig Fest. Did you know that we're, are we cooking a pig in the parking lot? It won't yeah. be me. So, yeah. it, this is, it says, I'm not making this up. This is an email sent to, I think, everybody mm-hmm. at CBS Radio Portland. Uh, let's see, subject line. Pigfest 08. Uh, let's see. To our, oh, they will have meat alternatives available, Tim. After to, seeing a pig, I'm sure that'll that'll really restore my. You'll appetite. be you'll be filled with hunger. But they hint at vege- vegetarianism. Wow. So this Being, is eating fishy, fish and chicken, and I'm like, where so, did that come from? So this is an inter-office uh, sort of a memoranda or email or, or whatever. This is a this is an inter-office message sent to I think everybody at CBS Radio Portland. And it's like it looks like a little evite thing, and it says Pigfest, Pigfest 2008 KUFO parking lot Friday. Uh, like we have all the room in the world to have a cookout back there. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> How are they going to do that? <laughs> Between cars, half the vehicles are going to be set on fire. That's a good question. Where are they even going to get the room to do that? Because I got to tell you, there are times in the KUFO parking lot, mm-hmm. no lie. And if anybody's ever come here to pick up a prize, or you've come to like if you ever you know the guest on one of the shows here, that parking lot is so full sometimes. I mean, they're literally cars out to the sidewalk, almost into the street. The last time I filled in for Sarah, I had to park all the way in the parking garage on Jefferson. Really? There was no spot Somebody anywhere. must have looked at it like after 7 at night saying, there's nothing there. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got all the room we need right here. Um, but, I mean, there will be cars back there. I mean, it looks like a like a used car lot with everything just sort of parked all, like, every which way. And, it's, and you know, here's another thing. Here's, Where is everybody going to park on that day? I don't really know the answer to that either. I will say this. If you uh, work at CBS Radio Portland, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Getting car keys from employees and going out to move cars so that other people can get out to leave the parking lot is a full-time job around here. I mean, probably every 30 seconds in this building you hear a... If you're the owner of a green Tercel, you need to go move your car so that four other people can move their car so that one guy who got here at 8 a.m. can leave. Happens all the time. So I have no idea where said pig fest will be taking place. It says it says 2008 KUFO parking lot. Uh, bring food for three in a lawn chair, Tim. 
And then right below, right below here. We're supposed to bring three pigs? I swear to God, right below here, right below that it says, Company provides utensils and pig. Which is just disconcerting. Company provides utensils and pig. So is this for CBS Everywhere? I can imagine Kitty Curry dining on a pig snout. <laughs> Outside of BlackRock. The interesting thing is, uh, they've broken out what stations are supposed to bring what for this. KUFO brings beverages. Kink brings uh, salads. Uh, K-Hits brings desserts. Couple brings snacks and hors d'oeuvres. Jammin brings hot side dishes. Business office brings bread. Engineering brings uh, beverages and the barbecue equipment. Where's us? That's what, what I was going to say. You have no responsibility for this pig Maybe fest. they know something we don't, Tim. Uh, and here's the best part about this entire Evite for uh, KUFO Pig Fest. Mm-hmm. It's got a little balloon here where it says, uh, a barbecue. Nobody likes those anymore, but you know what's really catching on is vegetarianism. So fish and chicken are much better, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so it, it, blah, blah, blah. But it's being spoken by a cartoon pig. So that's a little disconcerting. You've got that whole thing where there's a cartoon animal who's speaking about some event uh, whose sole purpose is to eat him and others like him. It's like that... Uh, it's like that, was it that chick, Chick-fil-A, the Chick-fil-A yeah. sign where it was like a cow holding a sign that says, eat more chicken. And, and it's all like, it's and... misspelled and it's all creepy. <laughs> where was this? It's a Chick-fil-A, which I think they have at uh, Lloyd Center here. Or they did. I don't know if they still do anymore. Chick-fil-A is a fast food restaurant that specializes in chicken. But they, for a long time, their advertising was of a cow, uh-huh. first of all, standing on his hind legs like a human, which is creepy, holding a badly written sandwich board that says, eat more chicken, like C-H-I-K-I-N or whatever. And it was all creepy. That, in turn, reminds me of all of those talking sandwich ads that mustard, French's Mustard used to run, mm-hmm. where it's like a, like a sandwich whose sole desire on earth is to be slathered in French's Mustard so he can then be eaten alive. And he's speaking to you. Like he'll open the fridge, uh, the, the person would open the fridge, and then they're reaching inside with, like, the other guy's brand of, like, brand X mustard. And the sandwich, which has little olives on top for eyes, says... You know, like, that's not French's. I only want French's mustard. And I would sit there and i think to myself, well, that's freaking weird. And they're always happy about being eaten as well. You know who's ecstatic is M&M's. M&M's are never happier than when they're about to be, gro- you know, like, ground up in some guy's cavernous maw. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is very, uh, very off-putting to me. All right. Well, in any event, so Pig Fest. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. A pack of Yellow Jackets sing a Vancouver gal and her dogs over the weekend. And a stand clip who's 14 was watering her flowers. When she disturbed a yellow jacket's nest, they attacked stinging her and her two dogs. The neighbors came to help. The dogs were pawing at themselves and biting. They were scared out of their minds. Uh, one of the neighbors sprayed some water and scared the uh, yellow jackets away. 911 was called. Uh, Benadryl injections were administered to their dogs and later uh, to the woman. Also, uh, some scrappy uh, cockapoo puppy, all 15 pounds of him. Oh, there's one. Scares out three bears from the New Jersey family's backyard. This is a, uh, a poodle mix named Polly, scared off a mother bear and her two cubs Sunday morning when they strayed into his owner's backyard. Although his bark is worse than his bite, the tactic worked just fine. All three bears got the hint and took off. So here's the puppy that isn't Aww, that cute. Oh, that's adorable. You bet. Excellent. So that's a, a happy little puppy dog tale. All right. Let's see. I had another. Uh, well, why don't we yeah, Let me take this, take this moment to say that you are listening to KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS radio network. Okay. I only wish our proud network would work a little bit faster. I don't even know where you buy a pig. I mean, really. Oh, where do you buy a pig? Where does one buy a whole pig? Maybe a butcher? Bring food for three and lawn chair. Company provides utensils and pig. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Which is funny since there's not it's all even very confusing. in the kitchen. And the other thing is, like, is that, I thought you had to put pigs in the ground or something. That's, That's what, what I you had thought, to cook. Oh, don't you roast them and crank something around? I've seen them in a lot of old movies. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the engineering department's in charge of it, and those guys, they really are Americans back there. They're not Americans. They'll, uh, they'll make it work. It's just it's all very, I don't know, just conjures up, you know, images of Matt Peterson in, like, a white chef's hat. All right, here's Tim Riley. Do you remember back in the old days we used to have barbecues yeah. next door? At the, yeah, when we worked at Fisher. I remember, well, we were talking about this the other day, uh, about how we, the list of things that we used to do next door when we worked at KOTK in the Fisher parking lot. I remember that time we rigged a bunch of explosives to a can of Spam, I think, and blew it all to hell. We blew up a, we blew up a watermelon at one point. The people twirling, uh, flaming batons. We had that 4th of July barbecue one time. We were doing the show, as we always do on the 4th of July, and I think Matt was deep frying a turkey, and there was a guy juggling fire. Like, not... Yeah. Not accidentally, like literally, that was his thing. Like, I'm going to come and juggle fire for your barbecue. And he did. Really? And he did. And I mean, that's that's, that's pretty a, fantastic. Well, Fisher was kind of a small company, and they couldn't really afford a legal department to tell us no. <laughs> CBS actually has one whole wing of the le- of the legal department, and they, their only job is to say no to things that are fun. That's it's dedicated the, to us. That's it, exactly. <laughs> what is your job? Well, I tell uh, AM970 they can't do things, uh, and then they do it with a smile. Here's Tim Riley. Running on empty, California passengers is stranded for two hours when the Amtrak train runs out of fuel. Hmm. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. But it's only two hours, and I was stranded for four. It was a little engine that couldn't because it was thirsty for fuel. A quick trip down the coast turned into a long haul for more than 80 Amtrak passengers. When their train from Los Angeles to San Diego ran out of fuel Sunday night, an Amtrak spokesman said the uh, plane sat for about two hours in the northern edge of San Diego before another engine came along to push it into the San Diego train station. The train left L.A. at 8.30 p.m. Uh, didn't uh, reach its destination until 1.15 Monday. The train ran out of fuel. It's an unusual occurrence. Uh-huh. They'll be looking to uh, find out how it happened. So maybe they can find out what happened to our train <laughs> trying to make it to Seattle when we were stranded up in the middle of nowhere for four hours. Maybe. After one lie after another. It's, it's entirely possible. Now, did they? So you said at first they were blaming, what, a wreck? Yeah, apparently. Well, this wreck occurred before we left, so you would have thought that they might tell us there might maybe some delays because the tracks is closed at uh, right. at Lacey. Or so we finally get there, and uh, so anyway, I made a phone call to a friend in Seattle who said yes, there there apparently was an accident there, and that's why it's closed. But they didn't tell us that at that time. But then later they were uh, giving you some sort of ruse about there being uh, was it like an engine problem or something. That was later. All right. For, First, they said two trains had to pass from the north, which Taunting they you. did. And Waving it was another hour away, and we couldn't go to these two. Tra- okay, the trains have passed. We're still sitting here. So then the train that started about three hours after us in Portland passed us by when everybody's eating and drinking in the window, and did we're you, still sitting there. And then we hear the rumor, oh, we have engine problems. Did you feel like Johnny Cash in Folsom Prison Blues? Just Yes. Just thinking about the rich folks eating in their fancy dining cars. But I had my lasagna. <laughs> I do. I like the idea. Let me ask you this. Yes. If they had had four servings of lasagna left, would you have purchased all of them? Oh yes. Oh, you would have bought us all because the food Because after you lied to several times, who do you believe? That's it's true. Preparing for the future. And and most of the time on Amtrak, if there's a problem, they send the bus and get you to your destination. Right. Why do they make people sit there for four hours? You could have gone back and forth twice in a bus. <laughs> and I guess once they've lied to you twice about why the train is stopped, you have no reason to believe them uh, about when your actual arrival time will be, or in fact about any of the food status. Yeah. So, all right. No, but I was sure. I saw that the cover was bare, except for two lasagnas, both of which I bought. <laughs> and don't feel guilty at all, really. Sir, so, did you feel like the only guy in the neighborhood with a bomb shelter when the air raid siren starts uh-huh. to go? Get the shotgun, Marie. But, but you know what? The rest of the passengers have 
All it was was a half-mile hike. Guaranteed it was a long walk for food, but that's the way it is. If you're riding a passenger flight. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't plan ahead. Right. And so they're sat, sitting there like Wally in their chairs <laughs> expecting someone to show up. And what do they do? We ran out of everything. We have two crackers left. Who wants them? And there's this carload of starving people sitting there. Fantastic. So somebody got them, but it, nobody wanted to say, you know, everyone kind of turned around. They didn't want to see who, who the recipient was. So the moral is, if you're going to be riding Amtrak, always bring extra money for bribery. So I have a feeling that they ran out of fuel, too, and they lied to us. All right. I don't trust him. No, sir. But at least I, I made it and made it home without a problem. All right. Uh, by the way, we want to thank Cheryl from upstairs who scanned uh, this photograph from the Oregonian. I'm going to get it posted on my blog, then we'll talk about it. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's talk about this uh, Democratic convention, which gets underway in about an hour. They're on Eastern Time. Caroline Kennedy says Barack Obama's selection of Joe Biden as a running mate shows Obama's good judgment. Apparently, had a hard time deciding who he was going to pick. So we had a number of wonderful choices, and I think that Joe Biden is was absolutely um, the best. Uh, Hillary Clinton was seriously considered to be the vice presidential candidate. Tremendous, groundbreaking figure. Um, everybody admires her greatly. I'm confident, and she's already been out there campaigning for Senator Obama. Um, she, he is going to need her in the Senate. Um, you know, she's, she ran a fantastic campaign. I'm a huge admirer of hers. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says that uh, Ted Kennedy, even though he has uh, brain problems, it hasn't affected his mind, and he just may speak tonight. I spent most of the summer with him, and he's lucid, he's sharp. Uh, the hell he is seems it? completely unchanged by the, by the surgery and by the illness. So uh, all of us are happy. His mind is completely unaffected. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. What's wrong with him? Well, he took uh, many mind-altering substances in his year. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. That was like... that but, was like yeah, Now, he must be first in line since he's only Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That was like Catherine Hepburn meets Emo Phillips just there. Uh, that was a whole lot of... He's uh, overcoming his uh, personal difficulties. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like his personal uh, difficulties have overcome him. Can you play that one more time? Uh, sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in your head, I want you to conjure up... Uh, two images. One is of 80s surrealist comedian Emo Phillips. Mm -hmm. The other is of uh, uh, deceased but uh, iconic and I think Parkinson-stricken actress Catherine Hepburn. Mesh them together. Now listen. I spent most of the summer with him, and he's lucid, he's sharp. Uh, he seems completely unchanged by the, by the surgery and by the illness. So uh, all of us are happy. His mind is completely unaffected. Uh-huh. Well, whatever you say, friend. All right. So uh, they're going to have a Gestapo-like police there, and they're already... Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen the uh, the Fox video yet, it's hilarious. We can't play it on the air because it's full of nasty languages from some of the hippies, but they didn't have very nice things to say about Fox. <laughs> so you can go to my website if you want to watch that. There's no, If we edit everything out of it, it's not going to make any sense, so you have to watch it yourself. With the help of all departments around the region, Denver's police chief Jerry Whitman has doubled the size of his 1,500-person force for the Democratic Convention. Because I think there is some anxiety about the size of the event, the fact that the federal government's involved, you know, that the FBI Secret Service are here. They've read a lot of things. They've seen things in other countries. So some people like the cops, some people don't. I guess it makes you feel safer. It's nice to just know that they're all around and that we're actually safe during this event. It doesn't make them feel necessarily any safer, but it actually makes them feel a little bit tense. People have this edge that they almost expect something to so, so this is at the convention, these people? Yes. So do we figure out what they're protesting? Or is it just the same pack of ne'er-do-wells? Yeah, same pack. Same, the They'd be of, here if they weren't there. Sort of traveling protesters, you know. It's sort of a, uh, they are sort of a variation on the Marlon Brando, you know. What are you protesting again? Anything. What do you, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, 
whatever. I, I mean, I understand, and I said this last week, but I understand. Uh, this makes me fatigued, even to, even to think about it. But here I here I go, uh, and then we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum about 15 minutes. Uh, he's talking about the convention. But so, I understand. I guess in some abstract sense, why you would be protesting at the Republican convention, which that will undoubtedly happen as well, because George Bush and War and whatever, McCain and 50 houses or whatever the hell. Um, and by the way, that, that whole business of McCain having like 100 houses and you know how the, his personal worth or whatever, he and his wife, it's like $38 million. And I saw some comparison the other day where they're saying that they're saying that Obama's personal worth is only, only $900,000. That's not worth it. But I mean that McCain's is like a billion dollars, or you know, some some huge amount, uh, which does sort of go along with explaining why he'd be marrying that weird space alien-looking wife of his. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying uh, that he married Cindy McCain only because she's vastly wealthy, but uh, she uh, might have a sparkling personality. No, she doesn't. She has. She, she doesn't. You know what she has? She has sparkling eyes, sparkling like a laser that's ramping up to kill uh, strength. But um, so I can almost understand protesting at the Republican convention, but they're protesting at the Democratic convention. And I guess maybe unless you're just some rabble rousing jerk who's just never content with it. Like, what is there really to protest at the Democratic National Convention? It's not like anybody's going to be there protesting for Hillary Clinton. True. I can't see a lot of people being caring like they're going to like they're going to go protest against Barack Obama. I mean, what is it exactly? And I mean this really sincerely. What, Kristen, do you know this? What you're you're with the youth. What what would they possibly be protesting against at the Democratic convention? I protest fatigue right now. I just feel like I feel like it's lost its power because people are well, doing useless. it for well, they're doing it for stupid reasons for a lot of the times that they're doing it. Yeah, no, it's pointless. But I mean, I, but but I mean, even like okay, even if you assume that it doesn't work, I mean, which which it does. But I guess I'm saying it like if you operate under. I just don't know what you what answer you would get if you asked them why they're protesting there. The whole thing is just it's very uh, it's very confusing. So well, in any event, what else was I, what was I going to say? Oh, but I but I read, read an interview with some protester where he was saying like, now we're going to make it like we're going to make it like Chicago '68 or whatever. So I guess we have that to look forward to. What was my other point going to be? Uh, I don't know, but you're winding up to say something. Barack Obama, blah blah blah. Oh, you know, are we going to talk much about the Joe Biden thing? Well, if you want to, that sort of, I mean, we sort of missed that. I mean, it, all, it happened. Did you catch the little thing, the little nifty trick they did, though? That Barack Obama, uh, his camp sent out, you know, a message to everybody saying, like, hey, it's, it's Biden. Biden's the guy, even if the Biden had said he would. I think they did that before they announced it to the media, didn't they? But did you catch when they did it? Yes, it was late Friday night. It was. So I, I turn on MSNBC. They didn't even have anyone in the studio here. Keith Oberman on the phone, them showing the same 10 second cl clip of uh, Biden. And Obama together over and over and over again. The great thing about it is, is, and this was, this is a little callback to a little campaign thing from earlier on in the primary season. They sent it out at 3 a.m. That's what I thought. So the phone rang. Remember that? You know, when the phone rings at 3 a.m., blah, blah, blah. And so they sent out the message at 3 a.m., obviously a little inside reference there to the fact that Biden, they believe, is strong on defense and whatever. But, I mean, look, I don't mean to sound cranky and curmudgeonly about everything. But this idea that there's a whole campaign running on change and different and whatever, really nothing says change like getting some crusty-ass uh, old white guy who's a career politician to be a running mate. It really, that, really is, that really is a way to do things differently, Barack. Well done. So, anyway, what can you do? Here's I Tim Riley. I can't get into it. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. just a... I can only get into it as sport. Well, you know, you two, there are other things going on in the world besides the convention. There were tears in Omaha today. Then you probably haven't given this a thought. 
Bishop Livingston Wells, better known as the Broom Man, has died. Uh, Mr. Wills, who was born blind, walked throughout Omaha for over half a century, going door-to-door and selling brooms he made himself. Longtime customer Rita says you can always count on Mr. Wills for a kind word around Omaha. He knew their names. He'd remembered their voice. So if he'd seen you a couple times, he'd call you by name. If you said good morning to him, he'd say, how are you? He would always want to know, how are you? And uh, could I sell you a broom? <laughs> she remembers the first time the broom man knocked on her door. He's sorry to bother you, miss, but would you like to buy a broom? And I said, Reverend Wills, I know you. And he said, I don't know you, but I'm selling brooms. And I said, why don't you come on in and have a cup of coffee? What the, what the hell? Are why don't you use this? I don't understand. What the hell are you... What is the broom man? What is this story about? This man sold brooms door to door in Omaha for half a century. He was a local celebrity. Well, oh. as famous as you get in Omaha. When you said earlier they were it's not all the Wild Kingdom. When you when you said earlier there were tears in Omaha, I just assumed it's because they woke up and they just didn't realize. Oh Christ, I'm in Omaha. Oh God, the broom man was a social butterfly who will be missed. Uh-huh. He was just such a social human being. He loved to sing. He loved to play the piano. He just uh, he loved people. Is that an organ in the background? I think they were She's playing the organ in his memory. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they were <laughs> ramping up to general. a full-on broom man tribute there in the background. Okay, uh, before I post it... Uh, By the way, the broom man was 91. Kristen uh, uh, Bowie, Tim Riley, before I post this, I want you all to, to come see uh, this photograph that I've got here. Yeah, right. So, I will now, I will post this uh, to my website in just a second, but uh, uh, my uh, wife, Lara, brought this home. She's like, you got to check out this photo in the front of today's Oregonian sports section. And that's... I'm not much of a sports fan, as you know. That's a thing that's never said in our house. Check out the sports section. Um, so she said, look at this. Now, this photograph, I have scanned this in from last week's Oregonian from the front page of the sports section on Tuesday. Amazingly, uh, or perhaps not so amazingly, this photograph has been removed from the Oregonian website, but I'm going to reproduce it for the people. This is, uh, I've taken out, the only thing that's been altered on this is one of her coworkers had scrolled something, and we've actually just removed that because it's not germane to the photo. This photo, otherwise, though, is scanned. It is untouched, unaltered, unedited, unchanged in any way. Now, I realize I'm leading up to a thing you all haven't seen yet, but I'll post it in like 10 seconds. Let me just give a little setup. Imagine, I think it's about Steve Blake, who I think plays for the Blazers. Someone? I think he's a Blazer. Imagine you are an athlete. Imagine that your hometown news, the newspaper of record in your town of Portland, Oregon, is running an article about you. Suppose that that, uh, that newspaper is going to try to find a photograph to run of you, a photograph which will convey your essence, what makes you, you. Imagine that this is the photograph they choose to run. Oh. Oh, oh that's horrible. There's really no words to describe it. No. Um, that was on the front of you. <laughs> you... <laughs> I mean, why would you run that? He's driven and unselfish. Apparently so. He gives or gets. I'm going to post this now to my blog just so y'all can uh, just so y'all can see it. I'm going to post that right now. I am uh I'm hitting publish right now. So uh stunningly enough, that's not on the Oregonian website. They've removed it and they've uh, they've substituted a different photograph. I have no idea why. There you go. You can check that out right now. It's at rickemerson.com. Let's get a couple of these uh, telephone calls. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio hey, Program. Hey, Rick. What's up? I got two things. I'm thinking, first, for the uh, guys protesting at the uh, DNC committee, I bet they're protesting less what's going on inside and more 
the media coverage outside, just like Tim's uh, video where they're beating up the Fox guys. Well, they're shouting, uh, they're shouting "F Fox News" over I, and over the background. It's I so satisfying. I think they're satisfying. there literally just to do that. <laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, that's a worthwhile cause, I guess, if that's really how you're gonna, you know. I mean, if you got like a, you know, spare few days to kill, I guess there are worse things to do. And secondly, Tim got off lucky. How so? I, uh, when I was younger. A young boy with my parents. We went to Disneyland, and we thought, well, we'll have the fun of uh, taking an Amtrak train down to Anaheim instead of flying down. Uh-huh. Well, because they were laying fresh track from basically Klamath Falls all the way down to San Luis Obispo, there was a whole section where the train couldn't go any faster than 15 miles an hour. Oh, no. So a trip from Portland to Anaheim took a grand total of 31 hours. <laughs> wow, that's awful. There were, and we didn't have we didn't have coach. I mean, we were just sleeping in those airplane seats. Oh, you know, because they're oh, they're about wow. the same size, so they were terrible. That's uncomfortable. It was it was a, it was the most uncomfortable. Oh, and by the time we went over the mountains to Klamath Falls, the whole plane it was or not plane train. Um, it was about nighttime. Yeah. And the whole train died of power, and the emergency lights went on. And we were stranded there for about an hour and a half until a Union Pacific train had to boot up with the front of the Amtrak train and tow it over the state line. You know, when it's on those trips where the toilets quit working, you know, that's always just like on a Greyhound. You know, I that's, the toilets are a whole other. Have you ever gone to the bathroom on a, plane, or on a, or a train toilet? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's, it's like no the devil choice. underneath your ass. It's a, it's a different world. All right. Thank you, sir. Later. All right. I will say, uh, just uh, in terms of full disclosure and in their defense, I've ridden Amtrak a few times. Usually had a pretty good experience. I uh, I have relatively, uh, I, I mean, I really don't have any complaints about it. And really, actually, I didn't. nothing like this has ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my trips on the Amtrak have been, uh, you know, have been pretty great. Uh, but it's just one of those things where when something goes wrong on a train, a plane, or whatever, you really do realize, you just realize that you're kind of trapped there. That's the thing, right? I mean, if nothing, you know, usually it's a smooth trip, but if not, you're just sort of stuck there. It is just like a metal tube-like prison in which you are ensconced. Uh, well, if there are accidents, I think that they need those power wash hoses at every railroad crossing. Yes. That way they can clean up the mess and have a body bag in like a little box there <laughs> and get everything taken care of within 10 minutes. Really? People need to rehearse these things, not be surprised by them. Exactly. They, they happen in alarming frequency. So they didn't have like, well, like, a, like a sort of trained version of one of those little like wet nap kits they give you at KFC to clean up after lunch. Right. They just hit a current candy a few nights ago. The thing exploded. What do they expect? All right. Uh, hi, you're on, the, get people going. you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good afternoon. What's up? Uh, the Robert Kennedy Jr. clip that you played. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard him or not. He is. He has a show on Air America on the weekends. Why am I not surprised? That's why we never heard of it. I was just <laughs> going to say, that, that might explain a whole lot. That's true, too. Occasionally, though, if I'm just kind of flipping around channels, I've heard that, and it's like, I don't know how anybody could listen to that for an hour or two hours. Oh, my alone, God. I've heard it. Oh, my God. I, I, OMG. Have heard it. I have heard it. I have heard it. Uh, once a long, long Horrible. time ago, I uh, was uh, flipping through the dial, doing something or other, I was just sort of scanning to see what's out there, as I sometimes do, and I did hear that, and I said to myself, like, is this a joke? Is this an accident? Has the janitor gotten a hold of the microphone, sort of Stanley Spadowski style? And I remember thinking to myself, like, who? Why would this be on? But his last name is Kennedy. That's totally why yes. it's on. And, you know, and here's the, like, can we just... How do I put it? I'm not saying this is the case. I'm sure that everything in Air America is financially above board, and I am not trying to imply in any way that there are um, that there are more financial irregularities there than have already been reported. But I will say they do seem to be hemorrhaging. Has that network even made a profit yet? No. Jesus, you can add them to the pile with Sirius and XM. Well, well the problem is, 
I mean, people who want liberal views have never tuned to AM radio. Thank you. They're, they're at other places. They're online yeah. or, or right. NPR. They're not going to go to AM radio for political talk. Just because, because the AM dial, to a large extent, sort of... We're different than everyone else, but for I, the most part. No, you're right. I mean, the AM dial just for the longest time just consisted just for a, old grouchy people. Yeah, I was just gonna say, it was just for old, te- just for old tedious cranks who haven't touched the dial since the 1950s. And so, folks who would maybe be looking for that sort of thing are just not predisposed to be looking on the AM dial for it. So, um, but, um, but you know that, but that network just bleeds money. I mean, Air America is just, and I say this only because it's a fact. This is what they call a checkable fact. That network is so badly run, it just hemorrhages money. I mean, money just pours out of it like the river Ganges. And at one point, not too long ago, none of their paychecks were, were they were all like bouncing. And I think I didn't Al Franken had like forego being paid for a long time because they couldn't they couldn't cover it. Mm-hmm. So the Kennedy family does have a couple things. They have a they have a name. You know, they have clout, and they do have money. So that might actually go a long way towards explaining uh, why a guy named Kennedy is on Air America. I mean, I think as long as you got I mean, it's just one step above infomercial time there. I mean, I think if you got any kind of money, you could probably get a show on Air America. Like giving Whoopi a morning show. Totally. That's exactly what it is. Ugh. All right. Um, by the way, uh, we're already getting reaction to the Oregonian photo, which is at rickemerson.com. This email says, Rick, what I like best about that Oregonian photo is the caption underneath. It says of his, quote, edgy but hidden personality. Looks like the other guy found it. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, so apparently, and we're falling into this by talking about it, this celebration of the Kennedys is an effort to take the focus off the Clintons. Does that make sense? No. Well, that's what the New York Times says. I mean, because oh, everybody's the, talking about the, the Kennedys. Oh, by the convention. Right. Mm. Then that takes the focus off the Clintons. Yeah. So yeah. it's not an accident. I obviously. suppose. Are they still going to do that thing when they get to the roll call where the Clinton delegates are going to say, like, Hillary Clinton or whatever? Apparently. All right. Well, huh. we'll find out tonight. I'm just uh, I'm hoping for chaos, but it doesn't seem likely. Nah. Uh, a 911 call involving John Edwards' mis- uh, mischief mistress, uh, Riel Hunter, has been released. The call was made by Hunter as she tried to escape the paparazzi who were chasing her around. I'm being followed by some paparazzi, and it's um, extremely dangerous. I have a small child in the car with me. It's almost got <laughs> two car wrecks Only following one? me. They're trying to take po- photos of me and completely harassing me. She sounds really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, police have released a 911 exchange between Hunter and the dispatchers. What's your name? Excuse me? What's your name? Riel Hunter. Why are they trying to take pictures of you? Apparently they because they're they trying to prove someone is the father of my baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Excellent. All right. Wonderful. Hey, just this thing about a one-legged hooker? Oh, yeah. All right. I let me just, uh, I'll just read you this. Here's the, uh, just read you this from the New York Post. I'm only just going to read this without comment. New York Post. A one-legged hooker was killed in Brooklyn after John hit her over the head, causing her to fall backwards out of her wheelchair and hit her skull against a wall, cops said yesterday. The handicapped hooker, that's like the happy, that's like the happy hooker but less happy, was who lived in the building was taken to Long Island College Hospital where she died of being removed from life support. Uh, life support. Uh, Elizabeth Acevedo, who lost her leg in wait for it a train accident, had a rap sheet with. 67 arrests for prostitution and drug charges. She wore a prosthetic leg, but also used a wheelchair, which I guess is like a belt and suspenders kind of a thing. So uh, there you go. Oh, poli- This is, by the way, his final sentence here from the New York Post. Investigators believe she had been servicing a client in the hallway in the wheelchair when she was hit in the head with a blunt object. There you go. That's 
Do you have time for a quick Gresham uh, robbery story? Let's do that. And it's then a we, fresh one. And then we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. An armed man dressed as a woman robbed a Gresham jewelry store this morning at 10 a.m. He was a black man dressed in a women's smart-style pinstripe suit and wearing a long curly wig. He walked into Williams and Son jewelry store. He grabbed the employee with a gun, smashed the jewelry case, and grabbed and took uh, things. Police hope somebody saw the robber get away and come forward with a tip. Now, who on earth would want to be selling jewelry in Gresham? And when you place? say dressed in a smart-style... Women's pinstripe suit. What does that mean? Like a power suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like a... Uh... a long curly wig. You know, in my head, don't you just keep seeing Flip Wilson? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Maybe they thought a celebrity had come into town. And we're not gonna... <laughs> Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, see, I think, or maybe he's somewhere else, seeing a radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Steve, where are you at? No, I'm in Denver. I'm at the oh, convention. I'm sorry. How foolish of me. I didn't know. I, I couldn't remember if you were there today or if they were if you were going later in the week. But I am from New York City, so no, you technically New- weren't wrong. From New York City. Uh, okay, so you are in Denver. Where are you at right now? Sir? I'm sitting in the Pepsi Center in the press box at our CNN radio uh, setup. And the Pepsi Center, that is where uh, that is where it all happens, yes? Uh, that's where it happens today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and then Thursday, we're moving Moving over to Invesco Field, Mile High Stadium, uh, for Barack Obama's speech in front of 76,000 people. So I'm going to ask you a couple things. First of all, uh, where are the protesters uh, relative to your location, and what are they protesting? Very far away. Uh, in fact, yesterday they were allowed to walk past uh, the um, the security entrance to the perimeter here, and, and uh Got about as close as they're probably going to be able to get uh, during the entire convention. But it was uh, a pretty small uh, protest as compared to others that have taken place at conventions uh, in the past. Uh, there, there was a mix of uh, anti-war uh, demonstrators, uh, um, environmental uh, advocates, uh, and then you had your, you know all your college students slash anarchists with their faces covered sure. by bandanas and and black uh, masks and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the what why they. Why they dress that way? I don't understand that. We were just trying to figure out, yeah, just sort of what the big thing to protest was. And the conclusion we came to is, you know, here in uh, in Portland, we have this sort of protest of the week kind of a thing where I think it's actually still the case. I think the first Friday of every month in Portland there is, I'm not making this up, I think the first Friday of every month there is a standing protest, meaning everybody just gathers together in the middle of Portland and they just protest like, you know, whatever. (laughs) And and I think that's actually probably got a little bit of what's happening there. And you heard, I heard a bunch of these sort of ne'er-do-well hooligans saying, like, we're going to make it like the DNC 68 in Chicago, which is almost certainly not going to happen, if only because there's just, there doesn't seem to be a big galvanizing issue for protesters this year. And also they're being kept like 50 miles away in like some sort of protest cage. They okay. are, and, and quite frankly, the number of protesters that it would take to make it like the 68 uh, demonstrations, it just doesn't exist right now here. You know, possibly in Minneapolis, but we do expect uh, many more organizations to protest the Republican convention there. It's a good chance, you know, something could happen there. But here at the Democratic convention, there were some people who were out there protesting, saying that, uh, you know, Democrat or Republican, there really isn't much difference right now in their policies, and uh, that's why we're out here uh, protesting today that they're all the same. Uh, uh, is, it, uh, is it true that the, well, let me ask you this, from your journalistic vantage point, that of objectivity, uh, have you heard people floating the idea that perhaps the Kennedys are being uh, given a more prominent role right now to distract from the Clintons? Um, no, that's a really good question. Uh, there's, there's so much 
uh, you know, talk and uh, hear and analysis. It's hard to figure out, you know, who's right and who's just trying to get on TV. You know, there, there is going to be a tribute tonight to Senator Ted Kennedy, and we've gotten the announcement that he will be here. He will be making an appearance as he battles uh, brain cancer. So uh, that's really going to electrify the audience here tonight and get the Democratic Convention off to a really loud start, no doubt. Uh, and then uh, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama's wife, will be the keynote speaker. But quite frankly, we all expect her to be overshadowed by the Ted Kennedy uh, appearance. I got, and I know it's a busy day for you, but two real brief things before we go. One, again, just from your perspective as a journalist, does it seem to you that we don't see a lot of Michelle Obama uh, on the campaign trail? Am, am I wrong about that? Is that just my perception? out there here and there, but uh, you're right. Uh, she she is not uh, by his side all the time. She's busy uh, doing her own thing, and, and she's also taking care of the kids at home as well. And uh, but, but tonight she's going to figure into this program very prominently. The theme tonight is One Nation. We expect her to talk about uh, why her husband can best represent the issues that uh, the everyday blue-collar worker is facing in the U.S. today. You know, that's the big criticism about Barack Obama, that he's not correct uh, connecting with those blue-collar Democrats and that uh, they don't identify with him. They see him as an elitist. So the whole uh, point of this uh, convention, they're going to be having a lot of regular Joes and Joannes up at the, at the podium talking about uh, their situations and, and what they've been going through, their difficulties, and why they think Barack Obama is the best candidate to address those problems. Uh, and then final note, uh, what is your read on the general tone and tenor of the reaction to the selection of uh, Joe Biden as the number two? Oh, there's, there isn't uh, one Democrat here who, who has a problem with Joe Biden. Even Hillary Clinton supporters here, they, uh, our polling shows that they don't have any problem with Joe Biden. What they do have a problem with the Clinton followers is that uh, they feel that Hillary Clinton was not given the respect that she deserves during this uh, selection process and that she would have been the better vice presidential candidate uh, for this ticket. Uh, this morning, Hillary Clinton addressed the New York delegation's breakfast, and she did talk on and on about party unity and getting out the votes for Barack Obama, and uh, it was very much a pep rally uh, speech. But uh, even though she said she's going to be uh, releasing her delegates formally on Wednesday and uh, allowing them to vote for Barack Obama, many of the New York delegates uh, that we spoke to said they still intended to cast the votes for Hillary Clinton. Excellent. All right. Well, if you, give it, if you get a chance to talk to Hillary Clinton, you tell her Rick Emerson still loves her. Hey, no problem. All right. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum. Take care. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, by the way, we have uh, several listeners in Denver, Colorado, who are going to be, uh, I guess, um, let's see, do I have, uh, I have some emails from people who, uh, hold on one second here. Well, I don't know where the hell they went. I had, uh, I had some emails from people who were in Denver who actually went by today. Our good friend Seamus went by and actually saw Wolf Blitzer. He drove by real slowly. It's sort of rolling by at the, you know, whatever the speed, the slowest he could go. And I guess Wolf Blitzer was crossing the street, and Seamus, like, rolled down the window. He was like, Wolf Blitzer, you kick ass! That's awesome. And he's like, Wolf Blitzer waved at him. So how great is that to have your existence acknowledged by Wolf Blitzer? Um, all right, and there's that, and so forth, and uh, whatever. Oh, by the way, we were talking about um, we were talking about uh, that elephant story. Have we have any uh, clarifications on the elephant story, Tim? I'm sorry, no. Okay. Either the uh, the mother loves it or hates it. There's nothing in between. All right, so um, it's a story. It's a story of polar uh, polar twins today in terms of uh, in terms of the elephant. But I have this from the BBC News. Here's another uh, animal story for you. I'm just going to read the headline here. I could do some follow up, maybe, but I don't really know what the point is. This is from the BBC. I swear to you, this is a real headline. I am simply reading this from BBC News, uh, Europe's premier news-gathering and disseminating organization, ladies and gentlemen. I read you this headline, unaltered, unchanged. This is directly off the page. 
from the BBC News. The headline reads thusly. Lion mutilates 42 midgets in Cambodian ring fight. Spectators cheered as an entire Cambodian midget fighting league squared off against an African lion. Tickets have been sold out three weeks before the much-anticipated fight, which took place in the city of Kampong Chung. The fight was slated when an angry fan contested Yong Simhone, president of the CMFL, claiming that one lion could defeat his entire league of 42 fighters. This is... Okay. Shimoni takes great pride in the league he helped create, as, this was, as was conveyed in his recent advertising campaign for the CMFL, that is the Cambodian Midget Fighting League, that stated his midgets, quote, will take on anything, man, beast, or machine. I do believe he is regretting this. The campaign is believed to be what sparked the undisclosed fan to challenge the entire league to fight an African lion. A challenge that Shimoni readily accepted. An African lion was shipped to the centrally located uh, Chung, uh, Kamchong, especially for the event, which took place last Saturday in the city's Coliseum. The Cambodian government allowed the fight, which I have to repeat here, was between a lion and 42 midgets, to take place under the condition that the government receive a 50% commission and that no cameras be allowed in the arena. The fight was called in only 12 minutes after which 28 midgets were declared dead, with the other 14 suffering severe injuries, including broken bones and lost limbs, rendering them unable to fight back. Shimoni had been quoted before the fight saying that he felt his midgets outnumber the lion 42 to 1 and could, quote, outwit and outmuscle the lion, end quote, they did neither. Page two. All right, there you By the way, just a headline in case you missed it. Lion mutilates 42 midgets in Cambodian ring fight. You will read that again later on as we like to keep people informed. Here's Tim Riley. Hello, righty. Another round of celebrities has signed on for ABC's Dancing with the Stars. Among the show's new cast revealed, apparently they're the oldest and youngest to date, 82-year-old actress... Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman. Did you see her on the uh, Bob Saget roast? No, I did not. Wow. She was the best thing about that Bob Saget roast. Unbelievably profane and hilarious. My DVR erased it. Oh, uh, she was. you got to see it again. She was gold. And then there's 18-year-old Hannah Montana star Cody Lindley. Actress Jane Seymour, who appeared in the fifth season, has a bit of advice for the newest group. Get ready for three months of nothing but dancing, because that's what happens. I would imagine and it's, that would be uh, it's really fun. It's a lot of fun, incredibly hard work. Um, and, you know, I, I loved every minute of it. I, you know, I, it was one of the great moments of my life. Well, okay. Also up north over the weekend, Seattle's monorail is running after a malfunction left 200 people trapped. Saturday afternoon, the fire department responded and got quite a few people out of it. The fire department arrived on scene and put two aerial ladders up to begin assisting people who were stuck in the monorail. There were about 200 people on the monorail who were evacuated. This is a bad weekend to be on, like, train-type devices. Man. Yeah, well, I'm glad I skipped that one. That was, um, 
Should I ride the monorail? No, I'm not going to do it. It's too touristy. Now, where does the monorail? I mean, I've been in Seattle. I mean, it only goes, it has like four or five but... stops. It's in Seattle Center. But it's basically, it's like a novelty ride, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a funhouse ride. It takes you like to the mall or something. Yeah, when it's, just, it's just there from the World's Fair, right? Or whatever, yeah. whenever that happened. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, then we have from Florida. From where? Florida. Damn it. Oh, even with Sarah gone, I can't win. All right, fine. Apparently, water dumped into Tropical Storm Fay continues to flow into some Florida rivers, forcing residents to appear for some possible waves of flooding. Uh, homeowners say the rains are more severe than uh, more severe than several hurricanes. Apparently, people have spotted floating ant colonies appearing. They don't know quite what to do with it. There's been several inches of rain and flooded homes, and uh, oh, people have been told to watch out for gators and snakes Jesus. in the floodwaters. Neighbors say they found large red ant colonies floating in flooded streets. Oh, you're all going to die. So you have floating ant colonies, gators, and snakes. That's, I mean, really, that's, you read about the, sort of the, whatever those things, army ants or whatever those things are, and fire ants. Those are horrifying. Yeah. Oh, no, they can't be killed. They can't be, no, they, they it's a... Uh... The big huge ones in Brazil? Yeah. yeah. Now, as Michael Bean would say, uh, and they absolutely will not stop. I mean, there's nothing you can do to get rid of you, you You'd have to nuke the whole planet from orbit to get rid of those things. Ants are really, and I think about this now every time I look at my ant colony. I've got to tell you, it's just a matter of time. They're going to rise up against us, and uh, we, will, uh, we will be enslaved by them, you know? So, anyway, here's Tim Riley. A group of women beat up a notorious bottom pincher after he drove one of them on the street. Excellent. The trashing in the brief brawl took place in Baku, the capital of Bougainville, where Joe Sahoya pinched a woman's buttocks. The woman and her friends retaliated by swinging their bags at him before knocking him to the ground with a flurry of punches. The man started throwing wild punches at the ladies, but he would not give up, and he kept punching back. A bus driver who saw the fight said it was brief, but drew large uh, audiences before police broke it up. Men who harass women in a public place should be expected that kind of beating from women. Uh, the man who was floored had a very bad habit of punching the woman, uh, pinching the woman's buttocks in public. Police took the women in for questioning, but what can they do? Do you see this thing about Margaret Thatcher having dementia? I, he I heard about that, but I didn't hear the whole story. Uh, I mean, it's really, it's really I mean, the, the, the headline is kind of the whole thing. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, once known as one of the world's most formidable political minds, has been suffering from dementia for the past seven years, according to her daughter, uh, Carol. So uh, it, this makes me wonder if there's some sort of... Uh, there's, it makes me wonder if there's some sort of investigation happening or if there's some sort of uh, somebody's looking into something. Because if you notice with public figures that the revelation about dementia or Alzheimer's always comes either immediately after or right as some sort of uh, public incident or embarrassing uh, right. delving into their I history. I mean, it's not an accident. I mean, that's the thing, right? You remember when Charlton Heston gave that insane interview to, to Michael Moore for Bowling for Columbine? And then, you know, and it came out and he looked like a tool. And he's like, ah, but he's got uh, uh, Alzheimer's. I remember, right, and right as they were dragging Reagan in to testify about Iran-Contra, there's a great book by Bob Woodward called Shadow. Uh, it's like, literally, it was like the day that they decided to bring Reagan in to talk about the Iran-Contra thing. It's like, and also, he's got uh, Alzheimer's. Not going to be able to remember anything. It's uh, very unfortunate. Then, like, the day after Bob Novak ran that guy down with his car, allegedly, which is also allegedly the second time he'd done it. Then Bob Novak is like runs a guy down with his car. Now, no, he's got a uh, uh, his tumor the size of a grapefruit right in his brain. He uh, he won't be able to do uh, to do anything. It's all very regrettable. And now Margaret Thatcher. So there you go. Uh, apparently, at the peak of her powers in the early 1980s, Thatcher's sheer strength of personality made her one of the uh, the West's best known figures, famous for quote handbagging her opponents into backing her. 
Uh, or at least backing down. So, uh, I had a thing to say about handbags, but I realize now it's a stupid observation, so it's going to be skipped. Here's Tim Riley. The Beatles' hometown will be marked the 40th anniversary with the release of Hey Jude. A mass Hey Jude sing-along, which is a stupid idea, will take place as a part of uh, Liverpool's Matthew Street Music Festival, except for this afternoon. If only Linda McCartney was alive to sing. It'll be led by an international group of more than 3,000 firefighters. The sing-along will be open. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? I need 3,000 firefighters singing Hey Jude in unison. And they're passing out lyric sheets so everybody can join in. Who needs a lyric sheet for Hey Jude? I don't know. Whatever. But maybe somebody born in the 1990s. This is where? In Liverpool? Yeah. yeah it was uh, backed with the song Revolution. It was the Beatles' first release on the band's own Apple Records. It arrived in stores in America on August 26th, 1968. It was issued four days later in the U.K. I do believe that Hey Jude is the first song to debut at number one. I could be wrong about that. And also, it, because it's more than seven minutes, it was the first record, the longest song to date, to top either U.S. and British charts. yeah. It was the longest-running chart-topping run on this side of the Atlantic for any Beatles singer. I mean, I love, I love Hey Jude, no. I'm just saying it seems like... First of all, can I just tell you, Liverpool is a place, though it may be rich with Beatles history, I'm never going to go there. You know why? Because you, even without stepping foot in Liverpool, you know it's just become like the tourist trap of all tourist like traps. Like Disneyland for the Beatles? Totally. I mean, this yeah. is like there's no... I mean, any chance you ever, ever, ever had of seeing Liverpool... In any sort of realistic light, I think, man, that must have been, you know, by by sixty by 66, that must have been gone. Well, it's like any post-industrial East Coast city anyway, with I, all, all the long brick factories. I heard it's abandoned. a hole. Oh, yeah, anything in that south kind of, yeah, mostly. I heard it looks like that, uh, whatever, that town at the beginning of the full Monty, you mm. know, whatever. What was that town? I can't remember the name. But it was, you know, Brixton, you'll love our new spark, and then it's just like endless boarded up whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's always that, you know, there's always that Lennon line that he apparently would say to Stu Sutcliffe, where he'd say, you know, hey, do you know what I love about Liverpool? And then Stu Sutcliffe would say, no, John, what do you love about Liverpool? And John would say, and I was hoping you'd tell me. Because I guess it's just, I, because that's where those, you know, that's the, those are the towns from whence, uh, you know, great rock and roll always comes, right? It's like, uh, it's like Aberdeen and whatnot. The smaller towns where there's absolutely nothing. Seriously, where you have yeah. no choice but just to sit around and huff paint thinner and write rock songs. So, all right. Well, there you go. There's that. Lance Bass is among the people helping Christina Applegate regain her spirits after undergoing a double mastectomy. A former NSYNC singer says he was, quote, holding her hand and getting her through it. I don't know why he's doing this. Uh, Bass notes that Applegate was able to keep herself busy by doing crossword puzzles, probably not while the uh, operation was going on, and making roses out of lace. Maybe. Maybe Lance Bass is the new Elton John. Anytime a blonde is in trouble, get you know, get me Lance Bass. Uh, apparently, Applegate didn't think twice about going public with this story. He believes that move will cause other women to get checked for breast cancer, and it'll probably save many, many lives. Um, well, not to dwell on it, because it's, you know, it's an unpleasant story. But I, uh, well, Tim, I don't really know how the celebrity system works. So she's on the cover of People magazine, I think, talking about the double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Does she get paid for that? Oh, is that yeah. the issue she sells the story to, yes. to people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's to get a little bit of money, and then also to control... The story, as they say, control the spin. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, yeah. So I, it's it's weird though, uh, because I think they found maybe like a lump in one breast, and she was immediately she was like, cut the Gordian knot. She's like, get the, the full thing, do both of them, mm-hmm. which I guess is a, a little bit. Of, you know, you may, it seems drastic, but I guess she had a family history or something, and then she's going to get the reconstructive surgery or whatever. But it's all, uh, yeah, it's just it's, 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 it's one of those stories that just came out of nowhere. I mean, I guess, and I guess she didn't hesitate. Apparently, she went in, and they're like. Look, you got the you know you got the one lump and the one breast, and she's like, get rid of them. 
you know, the whole thing. And they're like, well, just the one. She's like, no, the whole thing. Like, get, get it, you know, take it all. So, uh, which I guess maybe forestalls any or eliminates the future cancer or something. Yeah, but the uh, earlier you get it, it's Yeah, man, it's just a weird story. So, well, thank God for Lance Bass. That's all I can say. Here's Tim Riley. So there's been another uh, assault on the Max train. Uh, this started as a, as a fight with racial slurs. It happened on the Max, and it spilled onto the Gateway Transit Center. It happened over the weekend. The victim has minor injuries. The suspect also has a minor injury, and he had to nurse it in jail. It happened aboard the train at Southeast 122nd, where people always behave themselves anyway. Police said 39-year-old Blake Rios, a white man, made derogatory racial comments to 33-year-old Janice Darton. A verbal fight uh, turned physical when Reyes tried to kiss her. After calling her names, apparently, she responded by biting his lip, drawing blood. Good for you. That enraged Reyes, so the fight got physical and spilled into the Gateway Transit Center where the train stopped. Reyes took off when Portland police caught up with him. Uh, the woman's treated OHSU for cuts and bruises. Reyes was treated, too, at the jail location. With... He faces charges of assault. And he was beaten senseless? And racial intimidation. Excellent. Uh, this guy says, Liverpool is a dive. Remember, David Lister is from there. Lister? Who's David Lister? I don't know. That's not the guy that invented Listerine. No. I think it's Joseph Lister. I have no idea. All right, I got nothing. Let's do one more, and then we'll... Jesus, it's it's almost... It's 140. It is? Wow. My goodness. Uh, all right. Here's a brief list of things to which we have not gotten. Top five songs about a book. Got to get to that. Uh, which was a difficult list to put together, by the way. It was not easy. Because, first of all... You start with a list of like 500 songs, uh, and then you realize that some of them are not really about a book, but they're about a character, or some of them just sort of seem like they're about a book, but they're really not. Uh, so, like, I always heard that that um, I always heard that that crash test dummy song, crash test dummy song, afternoons and coffee spoons, which is a great if creepy song. I always heard that that was about some poem by T.S. Eliot, but I guess that's a big load. That's not really true. So I had to take that off the list. Anyway, it's very difficult. Uh, but then we had to boil it down to six, and da 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 da. So we'll get to that. Um, let's see. Today, Kristen, will you make sure that today I we talk about the new Metallica song? Yes. Because they, it's like when a radio station changes format and they become, we're the all-new Star 95, and they, and they remain like the new whatever for like 40 years. Like, they're the new whatever until they become like a totally different format, then they become the new that. So, like, they're, they're the new Star 105 until they become like the new, like, Hits 105. And I, then like, I used to work at the new 92.7 FM. Really? Yes. Uh, what was the format? You got your own radio station now, see me, Valley. <laughs> it was it was called Grown Up Rock. It was Grown Up Rock. And of course, the, the people it? of Simi Valley were elated that they had their own radio. Of course, station. no, they seem like a life-loving people. What kind of what is Grown Up Rock? Is it like AAA or something? No, it was just boring Melissa Manchester and all kinds of slimy it things was like that. Soft rock. It was. Music not to bother anyone in Simi Valley. Was it the station the whole office could agree on, Tim? Yes, it was. Was it, uh, was it, uh, was it great music for the ride home without all that rap and heavy metal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. We had to create a, uh, man, never mind. It's, you know, it's one of those I damn to say it, and then it's going to be the point. Uh, oh, you weren't here on Friday, Tim. We had two great things on Friday. Then we'll do one more story, then we'll break. Absurdly late. Uh, one, we had a great idea for the next Rick Emerson listener event. Because we did the Rick Emerson roast, and, you know, of course, the thing we always agonize about is, like, what are we going to do next? Like, what could we possibly, you know, like, how what could we, we do to top that? That's the thing. Like, every listener party, that's like, how can we possibly top it? What are we going to do? And the Rick Emerson roast was just, I mean, like, I mean, not to be all about the glory of us, but come on. We're great. I mean, we filled the crystal ballroom to capacity, which is insane. I mean, I didn't think that was possible. So we filled to capacity, the crystal ballroom, roast, 
you know, Emerson Starship, Nickel Arcade, or the great opening films, all that. And we were like, well, what can we possibly do? So we had the great idea on Friday. I don't remember whose idea it was. I will take credit for it now. I had the great idea on Friday of doing uh, the Rick Emerson Wake. Okay. You don't seem to be catching the magic of it. It'd be like a... It's like no, a... It's puzzling. It's like a roast, but it's like I'm dead. So it'd be like the Rick Emerson Wake. And will it would you be, be in a casket? Uh, maybe. Like, it'd be like a, like in the MASH movie, when, when what's his name? Painless has the fake because funeral. I don't, I don't, kind of like from Empire Records? Exactly. I don't think we can trade out a casket because you can't use them twice. So, so you'll have to buy it and use it when you need the time. Uh, to get it from the Casketeria. You know there's a place in Seattle called the Casketeria? Oh, no, I didn't know that. It's like a discount casket place. We could make our own. We could get Gene Simmons to trade out a kiss casket for us. You know he'd do it, too. All right. Anyway, so the Rick Emerson wake. Uh, secondly... You weren't here on Friday for my little revelation about my Portland gossip, which is true. Which is that uh, a new resident of Portland, Oregon, Monica Lewinsky, uh, who, will, who will be or is already employed by Wyden Kennedy. Uh, so Wyden Kennedy's newest employee, Monica Lewinsky, that is absolutely true. Uh, she went to Lewis and Clark. And apparently, uh, you know, and, and Timmy Ryan tried his best to ruin this moment by making all sorts of crude uh, jokes. And I would never really? do such a thing. Ill-advised attempts <laughs> of humor. Uh, Timmy Ryan, no. But she has a degree in economics from the London School of Economics, and apparently, and I don't mean this in an Eddie Haskell kind of way, apparently is really as sharp as a tack, smart as a whip. Uh, economics so, is not an easy thing. No, and uh, the London School of Economics is the, it's no joke. It's like the real deal there. You got to be smart to pass that. Uh, just infamy in enough to get you a degree. So um, anyway, so uh, Monica Lewinsky now working at Wyden Kennedy. One step closer. Uh, in any event. So it, if you called up and went through their list of employees, would her name be on the roster? On the little phone tree. If you mm -hmm. know the name of the employee, yes. L E W. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I mean, we have other employees, we have other listeners who work at White and Kennedy. It's only a matter of time until somebody like, you know, whatever. So, uh, I'm just saying, someday she'll realize the uh, little crush she has on me, and then, you know, fate will take its course. Here's, uh, Tim Riley. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. So, is she in with the regular stenography pool? I don't really know the answer to that. <laughs> do they still have Kelly girls? Yes, they, I don't think they call Kelly girls, but they're girls who work for Kelly. All right. David Lister is in Red Dwarf. Uh, see, that's what I get for trying to be too uh, clever. I was trying to think of Joseph Lister, who created I modern day. I it was a Red Dawn. Sterilization. So Red like Dawn. Um, on Wikipedia, I was like, oh, Red Dwarf. Yeah. Sorry. I, you know, I don't know as much about Red Dwarf as I as I really ideally Starring ought to. Patrick Swayze. No, that's Red 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 Dwarf with Patrick Swayze, where it's like sort of a, like an uprising, but in space, and there's a guy who's a cat, and I can't really make that joke. Wolverines. It seems like. Wait, hold on. How could you make a Red Dwarf, Red Dawn sort of confluence? Uh, Somebody will come up with Wait, hold on. It's, Let's call uh, Monica Lewinsky. She must know. She's very creative. There's Russians here. They're gonna invade her. Some. I got nothing. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do one more and we'll break. Diddy got quite a story to tell this weekend. The rapper-producer had again pulled on him and his crew... In Los Angeles, the Sheriff's Department reported uh, pulling over one of four cars being used by Diddy's entourage for improper tags. Because the other three cars were stopped, the deputy requested backup, which is standard procedure. When one of the other vehicle's drivers became uncooperative, the deputy detained him. That reportedly caused Diddy and several other members of the entourage to exit their vehicles. One deputy at the scene drew his weapon because he was unsure of the men's intentions. The cops? I don't know. The incident ended harmlessly. All the crew members were allowed to leave and no citations were issued. Diddy's cap has yet to comment. Doesn't he have a full first name anymore? I, I don't that know. His first name? And do you remember this? And you probably don't, but I remember this. 
You know, I don't even like talking about that guy. He just bugs me so much. I mean, really, just you want to talk about just 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 a cancer on the music like industry. A leech. He really is. Yeah. And I don't want to start a whole thing about rap and is is sampling music and whatever. I'm just going to say that really, Sean Combs is just it's like some form of musical consumption. Yeah. Just and just sucking out all that is good and 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 and. and, and zestful of, about music. And I mean, there's sampling, and then there's what he did. Yeah, it's just, he's like a musical lamprey. Yeah. Um, in any event, uh, but you remember he was Sean Combs, then he was Sean Puppy Combs, then he was Puff Daddy, then he was something else. But then, he, I remember when the P. Diddy thing happened, a grown man named P. Diddy. I remember, he, but he put out the press release about P. P. Diddy, and no, but this is a thing that only I seem to remember. No one else seems to remember this happening. He put out this press release, you're going to call me P. Diddy. And then everybody laughed because it's, you know, retarded. And then he put out another press release saying it was just a joke. No one else remembers this. He put out a press release going, no, I was just kidding. It was a goof. Don't really call me that. That's silly. But then, then he, like, did it anyway. And nobody else remembers the rescinding I I press release. remember that. Yeah, that's one of those things that just uh, got swept under the rug. It's a cover-up. All right, we should take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley. Today's uh, top five. Top five songs about a book. Uh, we'll play and then uh, dissect the new Metallica. Like us at three, Michael Mara Show at seven. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. We return momentarily, my friends. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Talk uh, softly to Richie Bristol today. I think he's having a hard day. He sounds... um, I mean, he's... uh, I'm tired. It's like 2 in the afternoon, so I think tired is just a... I think tired is just an obvious euphemism for hungover at this point, but that's just my speculation. Uh, Richie, should I be talking to whoever these, uh, these folks are? Yes, no, maybe, other, all of the above? I don't think Richie's even there. Well, okay. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. Richie will be screening your calls in a moment. We'll, we'll get to you in just a second. Uh, ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. Well, that's just in. This story was updated moments ago. Rose 2 is now nursing the newborn elephant at the Oregon Zoo. Now, is this another pack of lies? It is. All right. Uh, the animal has been nursed off and on without difficulty, except when she tried to kill it. Uh, apparently, a Rose 2 has gathered him between her front legs. A maternal display of affection among elephants. This, uh, the mom is sending real mixed messages here. What with the... Uh... Well, I think her mom's the mom's publicist and what's actually happening are two different things. I mean, isn't the mom's nursing the elephant and then occasionally trying to kill it. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's going to be a little bit of a fractured uh, childhood is what that's going to be. So that's the latest on Rose, too. All right. Uh, what to do with the cracks in the Selwood Bridge? They're going to dump glue into it tonight. Epoxy is being used to slow the growth of the cracks and prevent corrosion to the steel rebar. This is their solution, is just to dump glue on the bridge? No, it's cheaper, I guess. Remind me never to take that bridge. Uh, so it's going to be closed to motor vehicle traffic beginning this evening at 6.30 and will remain closed till 5 a.m. tomorrow. You know, there's already a big-ass sign on the bridge that says, if you're a truck, don't drive on this because the whole thing might... They don't say because it could collapse, but that's, ob- that's the implication, right? That's the obvious point they're trying to make. There's a thing that's like the trucks over some certain tonnage are not allowed to use the Selwood Bridge. And they don't ever come out and say, because the bridge is falling apart underneath. But when they say trucks of a certain weight are not to use the bridge, obviously everybody knows why that is. So, 
You know, well, whatever. I already don't take... Somebody told me... I've never... I don't know if this is true. Somebody told me that if you go underneath the Selwood Bridge, like in a boat or something, that you can just see big-ass cracks underneath it. So, yeah, I'm cool. going to put, put that on my to-don't list. All right. All right. John Edwards is burning up the phone lines right now, begging former aides and backers to forgive him about all his lies, but hearing their rage instead. Uh, so he, apparently it's proving to be a hard sell with one-time true believers. Many are bitter and disillusioned after swallowing his lies about his affairs with the campaign staffer and vouching for his credibility with fringe and journalists. Uh, most simply ignore his uh, phone calls and don't call back, even though he keeps <laughs> leaving follow-up messages. I know what that's like. The few who return his calls are giving him a piece of their angry minds. Uh, one, uh, let's see, he reached one uh, one-time confident asking for advice. He was cut off with a terse. I don't want you to call me again. The conversation ended abruptly. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I mean, really, what does he care at this point? I mean, it's not like he's going to have any political future. I mean, he can't run for anything. You no, know, he does. I mean, he's, I mean, he's toast. It's one of those things where he just... Uh, not like you're Ted Kennedy. No, I mean, the, the days when you could just drown a girl, allegedly, uh, and then continue to be a much beloved senator, those, those, those days are in the past. You know what I mean? Well, it's vanishing Americana. I mean, really, there was a time when, uh, you know, politics could be the last refuge of the scoundrel. But, I mean, that's uh, even but even politics has been has been closed off to you. His wife could probably run, though. Probably. Yeah. You know, America has already decided they kind of like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it's funny. Uh, never mind. I don't even care. Uh, I was going to say that. Well, he's become the new Clinton. I was, yeah, well, he's got the hair for it, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, here's an interesting thing. Yeah. You know how um, I'm constantly saying, and Sarah just gets weary every time I even start this conversation. She just sort of goes, and she just starts looking at her MySpace page and just blocks me out. But I am often, I often make the observation that there is, uh, on KCMD Portland, that there is a, a sort of great unspoken truth uh, about the world of music in that nobody ever asks rock stars, like, hey, how come you're 60, uh, Mick Jagger, and still have all your hair? Nobody ever asks that, right? Female celebrities get drilled constantly about their plastic surgery. If you're a, if you're an actress, or sometimes an actor, but if you're a female celebrity, you get any plastic surgery, boob job, rhinoplasty, collagen. Yeah, photos side by side in comparison. Yeah, and they do. What kind of work has Angelina had done? And I mean, female celebrities really just get hammered about the about having cl- plastic surgery, but they never ask rock stars that. Like nobody, and it's so conspicuous to me by its omission. And it's specifically in the re- in the area of hair. No one ever says to Steven Tyler, "Look, man, you're like 58, and yet you got all your hair, and it's still blonde." And it's like, what is up with that? Uh, no one ever asks. It's like this. It's like this thing that all journalists must sign a pact to never ask about. So, anyway, that being said, it was very notable to me that over the weekend there was somebody, and it was like a reputable paper. It was like the Washington Post or somebody ran a whole article about Joe Biden's hair and whether he's had hair transplants. It was it was fascinating. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. But there was a whole article that I read. Uh, I got it from Google News yesterday about Joe Biden and whether Joe Biden had. I don't think it was the same company, but whether Joe Biden had essentially the medical hair restoration process, which uh, I uh, of course am very open about having had done. So I don't. But they were talking about Joe Biden. They had like before and after photos, like less hair, less hair, more hair. Uh, and I guess he won't actually come out and say it. But it was interesting to read like. I think it was like 12 paragraphs long, all about whether or not the vice presidential candidate has had a hair transplant surgery done. It's very interesting. We're living in a strange time. Um, all right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Let's do one more. And then, Tim, I know you have uh, you have much work to do. Yes, because I've been gone for three days, too. Of course. I have to sift through all the things that have been thrown away. <laughs> and you come in and your, your tray is empty again empty. today? And it says Tim Riley on it. Uh-huh. It says Tim Riley, Minister of Truth. 
Uh, promise at, you we are not responsible for well, that. Well, no, that, I, I'm not making such harsh, harsh accusations. Well, that was going to be my thing. So Tim's last day was Thursday, and then he was on vacation. So Timmy Ryan was in, then Miles Around, then Musicology. Right. It's not like it's infomercial theater on here on weekends when it was during a bygone era. Uh, not at this station. At some point uh, between Thursday afternoon and Monday morning, all of Tim's leftover, not gotten to, still fantastically amusing news in the news pile was thrown away or otherwise dispatched. Uh, so uh, I will find out who did that, and there will be a punishment. Mm-hmm. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. He'll be thrown in a pen with Rose, too. I'm saying. Baby elephant suit. <laughs> An actress on the HBO series The Wire has been arrested on drug charges. Felicia Snoop Pearson was taken into custody at her northeast Baltimore home after refusing to cooperate as a witness in a murder trial. The warrant will let police hold her until the trial on December 16th. When police entered her home, they found suspected marijuana and charged her with one kind of drug possession. She played a hit woman on the popular television uh, series. So this is the, uh, I, don't know, I was talking to Fat Boy about this, because he and I are both the, uh, huge fans of The Wire, which I'm not saying it's the best television show ever to air, but I mean, it's right up there. I mean, if somebody wanted to make the case, if somebody wanted to say The Wire is the best show in the history of television, I don't know that I would necessarily agree, but I don't think I'd argue. I mean, I, I would accept that as a valid, as a valid proposition. I'm watching it actually all the way from the beginning because my wife didn't see it the first time around, so we're watching it from season one all the way through. Anyway, so uh, Bobby, Fatboy, and I are both big fans of The Wire, and we were talking about it. And the really weird and sad thing about that case is that Felicia Pearson, who plays the character of Snoop on uh, on The Wire, did, you know, she was sort of got the, you know, she got the golden ticket. I mean, she was, you know, she was no fool, and she was like a crack baby. She was born to a crack addicted mother, and she was in, uh, you know, arrested multiple times by the time she was 16, and you know, and really lucked into this gig. Looked like she turned her life around. Lucked into this acting gig on the wire because she was working in a restaurant where the guy who plays Omar used to hang out, and he struck up a conversation with her. She met David Simon, the producer and the creator of the show, and she got this acting gig. I mean, really looked like she had just just won a lottery ticket out of you know out of that life. Uh, and so it's kind of it's kind of a downer to see her sort of you know getting picked up by the man and the you know arrested. So anyway, oh Howard Dean just opened up the convention. Oh, damn it, I wasn't up. But you know what? I was. <laughs> now if you remember way back when, I believe it was 2000 or something like that, his uh, biggest audience was right up the street here at yeah. PSU, which is now a big construction site, the area where he spoke. Oregonians loved Howard Dean, probably yeah. still do. Um, you know, any guy that sort of seems a little fringy and nutcasey. You know, you come to Portland, we will embrace you with open arms. See also Ralph Nader, by the way. Yeah. This is probably one of the only places in the country where Ralph Nader could still draw a crowd. Oh, that's true. Uh, I don't you know? hear very much about him Only anymore. now he's started charging. Is that true? Yeah. Well, you got to make it while you can, I guess. Uh, why did that just start? Oh, it's because I was playing, trying to play the Dean thing again. <laughs> you know what we haven't played in a while is that whole Dean speech leading up to the scream. Oh, it's yeah. just fantastic. You listen to it. Because even hearing the whole thing in context, that scream still comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's like Martin Luther King. They think the only thing he says is, I have a dream. It's true. And that's his me- most, most memorable line of his career, unfortunately. That's, that's, and we caused most of that. That's the, that's the hook. Yeah. Like if they were to do hook testing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like auditorium testing for songs, this would be the hook. All right. Uh, I'm going to play you a political speech. And uh, this is a speech that may or may not be played on the radio in the future. So what I'd like you to do is uh, just on the scale of one to five. I want you just to circle the number uh, that indicates uh, how strongly uh, you feel about this hook and, uh, you know, whether it's something you'd like to hear more of on the radio. Okay, so just... uh... Oh, damn it, I did it again. I blew the joke. We'll have to go back to the newsroom and get some things in order here. All right, Tim Riley. Uh, We'll have uh, more from Tim Riley, bottom of the hour.
All right, it's 503-733-2970. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of the wire, uh, Peter Carlin will be glad to know that I've gotten my cable turned back on. It's happening. As of now, they were going to be there between noon and 2 today. So theoretically, my cable has been turned back on. So that I can watch uh, the world of TV, right? Well, I tried that. You know, there was just uh, I was I was busy. It was during the writers' strike, and I was busy just catching up on all kinds of crap on DVD. Uh, you know, like Thirty Rock and um, Jesus. What while well, I was finishing The Wire uh, and whatever, so I had all this stuff. So I didn't, you know, but I, all this stuff I was watching on DVD, uh, and I was catching up on Battlestar via DVD, and I just I was able to kind of get rid of a lot of my channels because I wasn't really watching anything. But now it's not just Mad Men. And I hear conflicting stories about whether I could have just gotten an a la carte edition of AMC, but it's too late. I already got the cable pump up. So I, I got Mad Men. Uh, soon it's going to be the Shield final season, which is uh, looking to be fantastic. You watch the Shield? Yes. Good for you. Yes. Uh, so the Shield, they're not even calling it the final season or season seven. They're just calling it the final act. Uh, so that's coming up in September, and then in uh, whatever, like January or something. I think the final season of Battlestar begins. So it's like I could no longer. I could no longer deny cable. I had to just plunge in as a good consumerist American and, uh, you know, get the full package yeah, once again. I did the same thing with my Netflix because I could sit there for hours and just catch up on stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a good time. But, you know, what? trying to catch up with the media now is just like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it's impossible. Anyway, so I got the cable hooked back up. A uh, couple things. Let's see. It's uh, 210. Got that new Metallica song. I'm going to work backward here. So we got the top five to get to. News at the bottom of the hour. And break at some point at this, this Metallica. All right. Uh, okay, here's I'm going to do this. If you're on hold, hang tight. I've been real bad about calls today. You know, last week we were so good. We were getting to all calls within 10 minutes. I've just, uh, I've backslid. Uh, I've uh, brought shame on my whole family today. Well, there's a lot going on. <sighs> there really is. Um, okay, so I got the, we'll do this. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll do those in a second. Uh, okay, I got two things, uh, Kristen. I either got this observation about pens. I know it sounds interesting. Or I got an observation about, uh, you know, there was that website stuff white people like? Yeah. I got another thing that should be on the list if it's not already. Which do you want to hear? Something else that white people like or pens? Let's go with something else white people like. Bonnie Raitt. White people love Bonnie Raitt. White people that are about my mom's age. And they're not just white. They're kink white. Yes. Uh, So, because because my wife, God bless her, I really do love my wife. She's fantastic. Uh, She's introduced me to a lot of great music. Uh, you know, she introduced me to, uh, the Indigo Girls, who I really do love. Uh, speaking of which, I think we're going to be interviewing Amy Ray sometime next week, so that's good. Uh, but, you know, uh, what else? The Refreshments, Roger Klein. I went to see Erasure last year in, um, England, which I never would have done had I not met her. Uh, Alphaville, you know, all kinds of bare-naked ladies, all kinds of stuff that I wouldn't have listened to. Ani DeFranco, all kinds of things that I would not, uh, have listened to if my wife had not said, hey, check out this thing. Um, that being said, Laura really does have a weakness for just um how do i put this i don't even know how to describe this it's like it's like it's like the whitest blandest so-called roots music you could possibly imagine and it's music that is always foisted off on gullible sort of yuppie crunchy white people as being like the real deal and it's always just so unbelievably bland the same people who go to the blues festival it, i didn't say that you said that okay rick emerson is a team player rick emerson believes that all stations must row in the same direction that is your assessment about the Blues Fest, not mine, Kristen. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just an observation. I'm just saying. Uh, but she has this But she has this whole weakness for, like, really, really just bleached out uh, music that is passed off as being sort of, like, authentically rootsy. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Steve Earle, by the way. Uh, you know, and Steve Earle is just, uh, I don't know, Steve Earle is for, I think, uh, people who are maybe like, and even though she's not this, people who are, like, in their 40s, 
who really want to believe that they are listening to something that's like really that's like true and edgy and like speaks the truth, you know. And it and really and it's like John Prine is another guy like that. Uh, who else comes to mind? <coughs> Wilco. <coughs> uh, and so anyway, but 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 she was like, hey, have you have you heard this? Have you heard this John this John Prine song? And it was like the widest confluence. Have you heard this song that John Prine wrote for Bonnie Raitt? And I said, no. No, I haven't, nor nor shall I be hearing that. Oh, see, also Jackson Brown, by the way. But um, I mean, a song that John Prine wrote for Bonnie. I mean, that's so. I mean, that's 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 so. Uh, I was going to say it's so white it might as well be a thing. What's a thing that's really white? Never mind. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So there you go, Bonnie Raitt. More stuff that white people like. Uh, let's uh, do this. Do we have that new Metallica song? Mm-hmm. I don't even... I don't know how I feel about it. How long is the new Metallica? Almost eight minutes. Are you kidding me? No. Really? I can't believe that their single is eight minutes long. Who releases a radio single that's eight minutes long in 2008? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess they must know that people will play it. Uh, So, well, all right. Um, All right, so what is the name of the album? I've forgotten the name of the album. It had some like... Had some sort of like pseudo-metal kind of album title. Uh, I know that everybody else has sort of heard the new Metallica by now. You guys actually didn't even play it last night on Musicology, correct? No, yeah. We you didn't, you didn't even it. get to it. We didn't get to it. So this is a thing that I sort of kept meaning to play last Wednesday and then last Thursday uh, and then last uh, and then last Friday I didn't play it and then you guys didn't play it last night. And so I guess I have to play it now because otherwise it's going to be a thing that just is... Death Magnetic? Death Magnetic, is that the name is of it? Is that it? Maybe. That's what I'm pulling up. All right. Well, I guess that's the name of the new Metallica album. I don't know when that comes out. Uh, wait, hold on. Let's see if Dave's in now. Dave's in's kind of a, you know, he holds it down for the metal sometimes. He might know. And then we'll do an Instapol. We'll play a few minutes of it, and then we'll do an Instapol. Good afternoon. Would you like to buy some advertising? Yes. On what station uh, could I achieve the greatest results? 970 The Talker with Rick Emerson. Thank you, Dave's in. Uh, hey, first of all, how was uh, Ice Cube on Friday? I didn't get a chance to meet him. Uh, he was very cordial. Really? Very businesslike. Uh, you know, that photograph of you guys both throwing up the West Side hand signal is like the best thing I've ever seen. That's pretty awesome. Is yeah. that posted somewhere? Well, it's, uh, yes. Because if not, I'll just put it on my, my, on, my, uh, on my webpage. I mean, if it's not, is it on your MySpace page? Uh, it is, but what? I'd like you to post it at rickemerson.com, please. Do you not want people going to your MySpace page? Uh, I want Timmy Ryan to go there. All right. Well, in any event, so that's a great photograph. What is the name of the new Metallica album? Do you know? The new Metallica album is called Death Magnetic. All right. Um, and you've heard the new Metallica single? Yes. All right. So, uh, so don't give me your thoughts on it. But I wanted to make I wanted to see if you had heard it. Okay. So we we're going to be playing it now, but I wanted to make sure I knew the name of the record. Thank you. Death Magnetic, and it's coming out Friday, September 12th. Friday. Who releases an album on Friday? Metallica. All right. Okay, thank you. See ya. All right, there you go. The new Metallica album is called Death Magnetic. Uh, it's so a group that releases an eight-minute-long single. And so this single is called what? The Day That Never Comes. The Day That Never Comes. So here's the thing. I'm going to make a prediction about this new Metallica. Keep in mind, we're not going to play all eight minutes. So if it's good, you're going to hear two minutes of it. If it sucks, you're only going to hear two minutes of it. I'm going to make this prediction about the new Metallica, which I have not heard. The prediction is this, that after having backslid uh, both creatively, publicly, socially, all of that over the last few years, it is my guess that Metallica probably went into the studio 
And since they're re- not really able to like rock convincingly anymore, uh, you know, or to create sort of new music that, that, that bears any sort of relation to what they used to do, it is my guess that Metallica did that sort of method acting thing, where they went back into the studio because I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Metallica had a whole series of classic albums. I mean, they had their Kill 'Em All, they had Kill 'Em All, they had Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All. Oh, their their initial uh, stuff was fantastic. And the Black Album, which uh, is maybe the beginning of the end, but which yeah. is still a great album, you know, viewed in a sort of hard rock kind of context. And then they had Load. I mean, really, they're calling the album Load. I mean, it's like they weren't even trying to hide it anymore. What's this? It's Load. I pretty much mentally blocked them out since then. And then they had Reload. They had uh, the S&M thing with the symphony. They had St. Anger, you know, blah, 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 blah. So uh, my suspicion is that Metallica probably went into the studio and they... And clearly, I don't think they have any metal that kind of comes from the heart at this point. But I think that they probably sat down and they, and they got out like a slide rule and some graph paper. And they tried to sort of create brick by brick a song or an album that sounds like classic Metallica. Uh, you know, sort of like I would say about Billy Joel. Billy Joel is not an artist. He is an artisan. In other words, I don't think Billy Joel's music sort of comes from within or from the heart or from a deeper place within his soul. But I think Billy Joel is very skilled and very intelligent about the construction of music. And so Billy Joel wants to write a ballad or a rock song or something that's sort of creepy. It's very calculated. Yes, exactly. He, he knows sort of enough about music theory to be able to create a song that meets those specifications. I am guessing... The Metallica sat down and they calculatedly created a song that is meant to echo uh, echo some of their previous successes. So, without further ado, I give you a couple minutes of the new Metallica song, which is called what? The Day That Never Comes. The Day That Never Comes. Is this the deceptively soft intro before they bring the rock? All right. Remind me to tell you about a past Metallica debut here when we're done, and then we'll do an insta poll. the songs we've played two minutes and it's still yeah, intro, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I may have you skip ahead at some point. Wow, a little Don't Fear the Reaper there. Yeah. I do believe it's the same guitar tone as they use on the Injustice for All. It, it sounds... This is totally like a, this yeah. is totally an Injustice for All thing. All they need now are clips from Johnny Got His Gun. How far into the song are we? We're about two minutes. 
Can you do me a favor? On the, you're playing this out of the audio vault? Um, I've got it in the car. Oh, I see. So we can't skip ahead. Well, all right. All right, so keep in mind that's only two minutes of an, what are you, an eight-minute song? Yeah. All right, that's two minutes of an eight-minute song. Uh, so we'll do a little uh, Instapoll here into the break. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And we used to do a thing uh, back when I was in Top 40 uh, Radio. Uh, we did the Make It or Break It, uh, which is you play like the new song, and then people would call up, and then they'd say Make It or Break It. Then you tallied it up, and then blah, 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 blah. I don't even know. Do they still do that anymore? Do they do like a, like a vote on new music thing? Not really. They like a. They incorporate it. A lot of places incorporate it into their website now. I think MTV so. used to do like a smash it or trash it or something. Uh, so we're just gonna call it. A, we're gonna make it a good or crap. That's all this is gonna be. It's just gonna be good or crap, uh, based on the two minutes you just heard of the new Metallica single, which is called "The Day That Never Came." It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'll do an insta poll here. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We will create two columns: good, crap. 503-733-2970. By the way, before we start taking calls, I will say that this is sort of an echo of back in 1996 when the Load album was getting ready to come out and Metallica released that song Until It Sleeps, which is the first single they'd put out since the Black album. And I had a friend of mine who had told me that they he had predicted that they were going to start sucking. After the Black album, he's like, this is it. They're going to be crap. They're never going to be good again. And I didn't believe I was still a true believer at that point. I didn't believe him. I was convinced that Metallica would pull it out and they would sort of turn it around and they'd go back to you know to being righteous. And it was a big, huge event. It was such a big event. We did it at the talk station where we did the, they did a live satellite debut, a satellite premiere of the new Metallica single, Until It Sleeps. And we interrupted regular programming, and we had a huge countdown to it and everything. And I remember sitting there in the control room, and the guy said, all right, Westwood Run Radio Networks now presents the new Metallica single, Until It Sleeps. Three, two, one. It was such a huge deal. And then they played it. And it was that thing where the song ended, and we all just kind of looked at each other, and my friend just sort of chuckled and walked out of the room. Chuckled like Tote in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sort of walked away, mocking me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the new Metallica single, Good or Crap? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is the new Metallica song Good or Crap? Good. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, it's 503-733-2970, new Metallica single, Good or Crap? Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. Hello? Yeah, crap. 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 Tool. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Is the new Metallica single uh, Good or Crap? Hardest rock and cold play song I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. We'll call that crap. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The new Metallica song, Good or Crap? Yeah, it was hard to beat that guy before me. I'm, I'm calling it crap with a capital K. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, the new Metallica single, Good or Crap, sir? Uh, I think it sucks. All right. Thank you, my friend. Right. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. New Metallica single, Good or Crap? Sounds like one of those songs I already erased from my brain. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't hear you. It sounds like a song I already erased from my brain. All right, we'll call we'll call that crap. Thank you. Uh, we'll do a couple more banks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, the new Metallica single, good or crap? <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. The new Metallica single, good or crap? Crap, but it makes your life last longer. So, really, so if you maybe had some sort of terminal disease and you played this song endlessly, your life might seem to stretch out before you like a never-ending horizon. To infinity. Thank you, yes. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The new Metallica single, Good or Crap? There are too many ways that it is crap. It is just total crap in every way. All right, thank you. Uh, we'll do one more back. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, the new Metallica single, Good or Crap? It took 
suck lessons from Timmy Ryan. Wow. All right. Thank you. There you go. And that left a mark. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The new Metallica single, good or crap? Super crap. All right. There you go. We'll do uh, three more. It's 503-733-2970. The new Metallica single, uh, good or crap? Well, all right. Thanks so much. Uh, the new Metallica single, is it good or is it crap? Hello? Hi. Yes, hello. Hey, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to have to go in the middle. It's got that weird, funny tone that Van Anger did. And there's a Red Hot Chili Peppers album, uh, Californication, that's got that same similar tone. And so, really, you come down. Could you turn your radio up? Yes, definitely. Yeah, loud as it'll go. All right. Uh, so, where do you fall, sir? I, I'm going in the middle. All right. Thank you, sir. You know what's in the middle, sir, is a big yellow stripe. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, new Metallica song, good or crap? I'm going to say it's a good, healthy poop. All right. Thank you. Final call. Uh, the new Rick Emerson. Uh, I'm sorry. The, you're the Rick Emerson of the new Metallica single. Is it good or crap? Hello. Yeah, we need to treat that song like Rose 2 is treating its baby. All right. Thank you. There you go. All right, so uh, there's one in the good category. One gutless individual goes right in the middle. Everybody else says crap. So there you go. That is the uh, verdict on the new Metallica single as decided by you, the Rick Emerson faithful. Take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour with the news. Uh, we'll have the top five coming out. Top five songs about a book. Uh, later on, Tom Likas at three. Michael Mara Show at seven. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere, friends and neighbors. We're back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, Tim Riley will join us here in just a uh, few. I know this will catch everybody off guard, but apparently Timmy Ryan made... Apparently Timmy made some sort of mistake and completely uh, jumbled a lot of uh, a lot of Tim's uh, news materials back there. And so Tim has attempted to... Uh, Tim's attempted to sort out a, a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle in the uh, newsroom. So he'll be uh, joining us here in just a few. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up in a while, we'll do the uh, top five. Top five songs about a book, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, let me just uh, read a couple of these. Um, Rick, you were asking how uh, how white Bonnie Raitt is. Bonnie Raitt is so white, she would ask if people want to hear her talk about pens. And then he says, sorry, too soon. All right, well, don't, don't you worry about it. Uh, let's see. Um, so we have that. Uh, Richie, what are we doing today? Is it the shield? It is the shield, isn't it? All right, so ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, now time to play Richie Bristol Trivia. Uh, we'll take uh, caller number 5 at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You will play Richie Bristol Trivia uh, at issue, uh, at issue, at stake today. Have I mentioned that I haven't eaten since yesterday at 8 p.m.? That is what, 18 hours? Yeah. It's cooked bacon waiting for you. It's been 18 hours since I've eaten anything, but I've had a lot of coffee. Yeah. I get to eat today at like 6.30, so there you go. Uh, in any event, uh, at stake today, a copy of The Shield, the entire sixth season on DVD, uh, as we count down to the launch of The Shield, the final act, which is coming, I think, September 2nd uh, on FX. It's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. Uh, 733-2970. We will play Richie Bristol Trivia now. Uh, for a shot at the entire sixth season of The Shield on DVD. 
Uh, we'll do that. That'll be followed by Tim Riley's news from the Ministry of Truth, after which we will do today's top five, top five songs about a book. Uh, we may or may not to get to, uh, we may or may not get to, to anything else. It's, we're sort of dangerously behind already. we still got a whole pile of stuff to do. Like is a three. Uh, Michael Mara's show uh, at seven. We are now obtaining the fifth caller. This is vamping. As I talk over the song, waiting for that magical fifth caller to arrive here on the phone on the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, there you go. Thank you. All right. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Right again. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. How are you today? All right. We get to either me turn down or him turn up just a little bit there. All right. Hello. How are you today, sir? Great. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Sir, do you own a DVD player? Yes, sir. Are you a fan of the FX original series, The Shield? Why not? <laughs> Spoken like a true American. Is it free? We appreciate enthusiasm. All right. There you go. Way to sell it. Uh, all right, my friend. You're going to play Richie Bristol trivia uh, for uh, a copy of The Shield, the entire sixth season on DVD. Are you prepared, my friend? Uh, yes, sir. All right. This is a uh, well. It's sort of an A B C. You got to pick the uh, you got to pick the correct answer out of the three. I'm going to give you three answers. One of them is correct. You must identify the correct answer to this question. Uh, here is the question for your copy of the Shield, the sixth season on DVD. Richie Bristol, phone screener and production assistant for the Rick Emerson Radio Program, repeated which grade in school? Was it the twelfth grade? The eighth grade? Or the ninth grade. One more time, Richie Bristol repeated which grade in school? The twelfth grade, the eighth grade, or the ninth grade? I will say the ninth grade. Oh, so sorry, my friend. The correct answer is his senior year of high school. Uh, yes. It was too obvious. Yeah, well, too obvious really is the Richie Bristol story. That is the uh, that is the that, that is the subtitle to the book of his life, my friend. Uh, sorry about that. All right, thank you for playing. Have a great show. All right, there you go. Thank you. All right, well, uh, we'll give it another try tomorrow. We'll uh, we'll roll that forward, as they say. Tomorrow we will give it a, another crack at giving away a copy of the Shield, the entire sixth season, uh, on DVD. Thank you all for uh, thank you all for attempting it. Um, so uh, we're in that awkward thing again. Where if I start something, Tim is going to come in. Well, all right then. I'll just move on. All right, I'm going to set this aside. So as soon as Tim Riley uh, joins us, he's uh, back preparing some news for later on in the day. Uh, as soon as he is free, he'll join us. We'll do the news. Uh, we'll do the top five. Uh, like is three. Michael Mara show at seven. I am going to talk about pens in a second as well as ninjas. Uh, let me get a couple emails here, and then we will uh, roll on. This one says, uh, Rick. Well, here's another one asking if I saw Jimmy Page. Now, I didn't see Jimmy Page, but apparently now someone has said, and I don't know that this is true, uh, but somebody says that that, he, that Jimmy Page played whole lot of love. It's just weird, especially considering it's in Beijing where they're all like sort of tight-assed and repressed about everything. But they were saying that Jimmy Page was playing whole lot of love at the close of the Olympic uh, ceremonies with quote some chick. So I don't know if that's true. I have no knowledge as to whether it's true or not. But I guess that's the claim uh, that Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin fame was playing a whole lot of love to sort of close out the Olympic event. Uh, here we go. Jimmy played. Jimmy Page played a whole lot of love with some chick singing. Um, it's unclear about whether he was actually in Beijing or not. 
Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, Rick, heard you talking about kindergarten and lethal playground equipment. What about the steel jungle bars? Which I don't even uh, think... Which, I almost died on those. Well, every, that's the thing. is like everybody almost died. I mean, we could, we're not going to do this now. This is not a thing we're going to be doing. But, I mean, we really could do an, high, an entire high concept about, like, the piece of playground equipment on which you almost died. Don't even get me started on the tetherball. But, I mean, the, the steel jungle bars, A... Because you would do that thing of swinging from one to the other, and then you would inevitably miss, or it would be rainy, or it would be otherwise sort of slick and wet, and you would plummet, you know, to your doom. Or B, uh, and I don't know what your story is, but B, you would do that thing if you were a kid where you would just have to climb on top uh, of the jungle bars because you were, like, fast and loose with the rules. You were edgy. You wouldn't be confined by the man and his instructions on how to use playground equipment. You'd be like, I'm going to climb on top. And then without, without fail, you would just slip through, and you'd whack your chin on it on the way down. Mine was the big jungle gym, and totally. I clicked on that. Yeah. Is it? What do you mean that like the jungle gym? That's like a big. The big box thing. It's like a box, but then with a small. It's almost like a square pyramid, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And it's yeah. just filled with like a grid of square metal pieces. And it's yeah. like, and the whole thing is just designed to have as many ways to maim yourself as is humanly possible. So there's that, and then of course when I was in school, and I think this is a thing that probably everybody did. When I was in school, we would always use that thing, the jungle bar gym thing, whatever it was. We would always just find uh, some uh, kid who was unliked by everybody else, and then that, he would just sort of be in prison there. And we would play jail. And jail wasn't really a game for anybody except the people. You know, it certainly wasn't a game for the kid who was inside. And there wasn't really any fun to be had. You would just find a kid, uh, some sort of Lord of the Flies type kid, uh, and you would just stick him in there for the duration of recess, and he would be incarcerated. The end. Like, that was that was, exciting. that was the entirety of the game. Uh, until I think we got caught playing that one time, and I think the teachers gave us a, uh, a, a why don't you cut the S, uh, the kind of, uh, kind of talk. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? How are things coming along in the newsroom? Timmy Ryan, leave that in tip-top shape for you? Oh, yes. Yes. It took three of us to figure out how to get ourselves out of this mess. If I can just sort of pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, what I was vamping to cover just now is that, uh, Tim Riley goes back and, of course, creates news, uh, for all the people uh, of Portland, including those who maybe are not listening to this show, but maybe you're listening to the afternoon, or maybe you're listening here and you continue through the afternoon. Yes. News doesn't stop when the Rick Emerson show goes off the air. No. News is a 24-hour proposition. And I do believe there were some computer files you needed for this that Timmy managed to corrupt in some fashion. Alter. Like everything he touches. So, uh, so uh, thanks to Brian and Matt of right. our engineering department who figured it all out and put things right. All right, you got that put back together? Yes, Actually. so thanks to Brian and Matt. All right, uh, we probably won't have time to do the top five today, but we will attempt to read uh, this email before we do the news. Subject line, horror in northeast Portland. Rick, I was at the interstate Fred Meyer today and was astounded by what some old pudgy white guy was shuffling around in. Slippers, check. Stained gray T-shirt, check. Sweatpants, check. Hey, wait a minute, he says. Those sweatpants have cargo pockets made out of sweatpant material located below the knee. What is the point of that? Cargo sweatpants. Christ on a stick. Fashion has sunk to a new low here in South, in uh, northeast Portland. There you go. Signed, Jeff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Rose 2, the meanest elephant mother in the world, our top story. Well, the last time we heard, Rose 2 is now nursing her newborn elephant lovingly at the Oregon Zoo. This after you're trying to kill it. You're sure it's not that the baby is nursing some wounds? Oh, perhaps so. Nah. 
So anyway, uh, after trying to kill it, R- Rose has had a change of heart and says, well, maybe she'll accept the child anyway. <laughs> and she's, like, tied down and being forced to accept it. So are they just hoping that if they say this headline enough, it will become true? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, and that's got to be... I keep going back to this. Rose, too, and Nurse's Childer will taser you again. <laughs> I keep... Love your baby, or else... Uh, well, why not? It works for John Lennon. Um, the uh, But I keep going back to this thing of, like... Um, you know, they were doing this sort of electronic feed earlier, right? Where a bunch of kids were watching, you know, the miracle of life. Mm-hmm. And then the miracle of life was then like the miracle of bludgeoning and the miracle of blood and the miracle of turn it off. So, um, all right. Well, that's going to be it's going to be one memorable field trip. So uh, people are writing comments like still tethered, which he is. How long does Rose to need to be punished for her lack of birth knowledge? <laughs> I love this show. And it's not just because I haven't eaten in 18 hours. I mean, that makes it better, of course. But So uh, it's upsetting when a mother is trying to hurt her newborn. I think they're handling the situation the best that they can under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. It would be more, more disturbing if, they, if she killed a bit. Well, she would if they would let her, but they're not going to allow her oh, to do that. Oh, my God. Have you seen these photographs? Somebody just sent this to me. Uh, these photographs from the Daily Mail. So the Daily Mail, um, this isn't our elephant, though, is it? Let's see. Somebody just sent me. Uh, from the Daily Mail, which is a, is a British newspaper, um, articles of blah, 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 baby elephant rescued from its mother. But it doesn't say whether it's Portland or not. Hold on a second. Um, let's see. Um, uh, what, hmm. I, I'm looking. Oh, here. Uh, no, no, no. This is in Berlin. All right. But apparently this is also happening in Berlin. <laughs> because they're British, the uh, story is called Trunk and Disorderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got this picture of, like, the mom just completely squashing the baby or attempting to squash it. And then, I swear to you, this is fantastic. They're pulling the baby out of the, uh, the whatever, the, the, the pen or, you know, the, the, the area mm-hmm. by its trunk, which I guess is maybe the elephant that's the pachydermal equivalent of lifting a dog by its scruff. Man, elephants are mean. All right. Oh, no, they're mean. And you know what? Let's, I was going to say let's not forget that an elephant never forgets, and that would have been an unfortunate double use of the word forget. But you know what I mean. That's, yes. it's, if elephants never forget, it seems like, uh, it seems like the mom is going to remember the time that she was forced into loving a baby she didn't want. And that anger will be taken out on her human captor sooner rather than later. So that's what's happening. All right. For now. Uh, the Democratic uh, Convention is now underway. Ted Kennedy is supposed to speak tonight. Howard Dean opened it up a few minutes ago. So as far as we know, uh, the elephant mother is being kept from slaughtering her child. Forcibly. And, forcibly. And we'll see what happens. All right. Well, do you feel like we have time to do the top five, Kristen no. Bowie? Thanks, Tim. <laughs> no, we have um, we, we have about four minutes we are, spots left. So. We, are, we are obligated to do other things. We, we can do it tomorrow. Yeah, we can. The top five can always be held over till tomorrow. I wish I could have started earlier, but I was indisposed. Thank you, Timmy Ryan. All right. The thing is, he's not even he's not even here to to, you know, to be the recipient of our scorn. I think he's in Sweet Home right now. Yeah. In the out of town. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm gonna. When he comes back. I was just he's, gonna, he's vacationing in Sweet Home. I was just going to say, I'm going to hold the grudge, though. We'll uh, we'll let it loose on him when he returns uh, later on in the week. All right. I'll be looking forward to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest newsman in the history of the world, Tim Riley, uh, back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. Uh Let me read one more. Then we'll do this phone call. Then we'll take a break. Then we'll come back. Then some other things will happen. Uh, what do we want to hear? Do we want to hear um, news about Mother Teresa? She's dead. Well, I know, but I mean, it doesn't mean there can't be news about her. Oh, I suppose not. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. We have uh, news about Mother Teresa. We have hot lesbian news. Or we have, um, let's see, or we have ninja news. 
Anyone? Ninja. Well, uh, it's a cross between lesbians and ninjas for yeah. me. Well, let's read them both, Tim. Okay. We'll uh, read both of these, and then we'll uh, break, and we'll come back. All right. I'll uh, I'll start with ninjas and end with lesbians. All right. The way that all life should be. I think this is fair. from Clifton, which I believe is in Ohio. Yes. I'm making sure. that up. I think it's in I think it's in Ohio. Clifton police arrest ninjas. Says to this non-ironic headline. Two modern-day ninjas calling themselves, by the way, speaking of things white people like, these are the whitest guys you've ever seen in your life. And they look to be about 17. Two modern-day ninjas calling themselves shinobi warriors on a quest to rid the area of drug users and drug dealers have been put out of business by police. On Wednesday at 2.35 a.m., police officers approached a car parked in the left lane of Route 46 East and found two Clifton men dressed in black... identifying themselves to police as ninjas. The men were armed with tactical vests and knives and sheaths at their waist, along with ninja-throwing knives, Chinese-throwing stars, four-pointed tacks, swords, bows, arrows, and nunchucks, said Detective Captain Robert Rowan. The two men, Jesse Trosniak, 19, and something or other, Terskowitz, 20, 20, told police they were, quote, modern-day ninjas, end quote. <laughs> I love this country. It reminds me, when I was going to Portland State, there was a ninja that would run up and down the park blocks. Really? Yeah. I mean, just like for a goof, though, right? Uh, he was doing moves, and he thought he was pretty serious. Maybe Who's, it was a student organization. Who's armed with a sword, and when you're stopped by the man, you say, I'm a ninja. <laughs> Identify themselves as modern-day ninjas called Shinobi Warriors. They were on their... Listen to this. I don't think this is how real ninjas did it. They were on their way to deliver warning letters to known drug dealers and drug users to stop their impure activities. They told police they planned to leave... Speaking of other things that white people do, I'm going to go give you a strongly worded letter, criminal. Uh, they told police they planned to leave the letters on the front doors of these individuals they had singled out. So let me understand. They're all garbed up like ninjas, and they got like 50 different weapons so they can go and leave a letter like Martin Luther style on a guy's door. The we should have bureaucracy. Their weapons, Rowan said, were, be, uh, were to be a precaution in case they were confronted by the drug dealers. The officers located five envelopes decorated with red Chinese designs. Are ninjas Chinese? Kristen I, thought they were Japanese. Japanese. I thought they were I Japanese. Thought they were Japanese. I thought they were Japanese. Yeah. Containing the letters to be delivered. Reports show the two men had already delivered one such letter to Turkowitz's 16-year-old ex-girlfriend. Anyway, there you go. Uh, and we'll end with lesbian, lesbian news. Uh, let's see. Actress Megan Fox, uh, most recently seen in Transformers, I believe, has filmed, quote, you know, journalistic standards have just plummeted. This is an actual news story. Mm -hmm. It's like that time, then we have that story from, and it was probably from KGW because they hired children to write their news, where they said, like, a bunch of guys got yeah. arrested for horsing around. Yeah. A bunch of guys were arrested for horsing around in Laurelhurst Park this weekend. Well, look at the linguistic abilities of most people anyway, though. I suppose. <laughs> This is an actual news story where they report, quote, Megan Fox has filmed a really hot lesbian love scene for her new movie. The Transformers actress romps topless in bed with Mamma Mia star Amanda Seyfried in the zombie film Jennifer's Body. A source said the two girls make out real hardcore rolling around in the bed. It's really hot. In Jennifer's body, Megan Fox plays a possessed cheerleader who goes on a spree, uh, killing spree, murdering her male classmates. 
All right, there you go. I feel stupid at just reading these stories. Let's take a break. Back after this, we'll wrap it up around the corner with your phone calls. Like is a three. Really? Did you pick this uh, intentionally? Did, did you pull this? No, I have to admit I did not. The universe but... gave us yeah. a good Metallica song. Excellent. Back after this to wrap it up, like us around the corner. Michael Mara show at seven. What are there's, you doing? There's melted candy on the keyboard. There's what? Melted candy. There's melted candy on your keyboard. Who Jimmy the... Ryan strikes again. I was just going to say, who was the last person to use that keyboard? <laughs> Miles Round. Not musicology. Oh, that's right. Was Adam, it Adam? He wasn't eating though. Oh, it has some right. strange last name on it, but it might not have been his. Right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Now into the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guest will include Nina Parker uh, from TMZ.com. Tomorrow we will get to this top five, by the way. Top five songs about books. All right. It's 3 o'clock. I ate, uh, let's see, 19 hours ago? Wait. If I ate at... About 19, yeah. Rick Emerson eats at 8 o'clock. The next day it's 3. How long has it been since he beat? That's 19 hours. 19, yeah. All right. Well, okay. Well, I uh, at least I didn't fall over. I mean, I guess there's six minutes left. I could fall over still. At least I didn't fall off my chair just begin drooling today. Uh, all right. Uh, in any event, it's 503-733-2970. You want to sneak on uh, before the end of the show? There's a good chance to do that. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. We'll do uh, calls here at the top of the hour. By the way, Rick, about Jimmy Page... Uh, says Jimmy Page performed a part uh, in the Olympics with some Brit pop star chick that no one cares about. He played because it was a teaser and ha oh, okay. He so he was in uh, he said he plays because it was a teaser and handoff for the next Summer Olympics, which are in London in 2012. They had to change lyrics. Notably, they removed the quote "every inch of my love" line. Uh, Beckham took a pathetic kick at a soccer ball at the end. It was so pathetic, and I like soccer. Uh, anyway, uh, and then he signs it. Ninjas are Japanese, which I thought they were. And yeah. by the way, we were just talking about how guys are. Let me roll along. I'm a dude and all, but boy, guys are dumb. These two, these kids in Ohio, dressing as ninjas so they can leave scolding notes on people, including this. Let's dress up as ninjas and put a scolding note on my ex-girlfriend's front door. Seriously, this is why women don't take us seriously, guys. Really, this is this is why we are scorned by the fairer sex. Nineteen and twenty years of age. Style. I mean, I suppose. I mean, and I, and I got to give them a little credit for when they got popped by the man for skulking around dressed, you know, dressed up and like holding a bunch of weapons. That rather than just beginning to blubber like little girls, they actually went, "We're ninjas." I mean, that they stuck to the story when the cop says, "See here, what's this sword you carry? What are all these throwing? What are you doing? Uh, we're shinobi warriors." I mean. You know, I would probably just fold immediately. Do they so. watch Firefly? They, they do, because it's shiny. Uh, let's see. It's 503-733-2970. We'll just do these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Speak now, sir or madam, as the case may be. Yeah, I was calling to talk about the deadly playground equipment. Yes, sir. Uh, four injuries as a child. First, black eye, day before picture day, third grade. Excellent. Uh, we also had this huge slide on the old uh, the wood ones with you know the big logs with the holes that had the big bars to them. And this giant slide, probably six feet across, shoved down there head first, fat lip. I don't even think they have that kind of thing anymore. That that playground equipment, but yeah, it's like a, where it's like really you're on like the whatever, like the the, the bear jamboree log rider, whatever that thing is. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where the black guy came from too. Is one of the uh, cap ends that protrudes out through the logs that holds them all together, and 
broken wrist yeah. from the from the high bar thing that's supposed to be bolted into the sides. Apparently, it is not. It not really, it's like you're all uh, it's like you're all Sam Jackson and Unbreakable and everything. Did I mean, they really. Use that weird torture device to reset your wrist, where they just like let it hang from the five fingers. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's it's crazy. I saw it when I was in the doctor for my leg. It's like a half circle, and they have five springs for each of your fingers, oh. and they put it in there and just let it hang. It's horrible. Do you get the feeling sometimes that the doctors basically just that they when you come in with like a busted arm or something, you're just being used as some sort of ad hoc guinea pig or like mm -hmm. a test, you know, like a focus group or some sort of awful device, and they're wondering exactly how much pain it'll cause people. So, all right, thank you, my friend. Right, and the last thing was uh... yes. Oh, bastard! Bastard! All right. I never had any playground injuries, but I bit through my tongue one time playing football. Uh, I got hit from behind, fell over, tongue out, right through the tongue. I got some nice road rash from skateboarding when I was younger. Really? Oh, it was awesome. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick, Tim, Sarah Wagner, how's it going? Are you being kooky? Yes, I am. All right. All right. First of all, squeak. Everybody's been, like, like totally trashing on the squeak of the door. I love the squeak. The squeak is left there to break the fourth wall and to give more of a sense of a, an actual studio, sir. It's theater of the mind. Yes. Yes, it is. Excellent. And even before you went on your screen about that, I, you know, I love the, I love the squeak. Uh, it's like, hey, I think, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so-and-so is coming in. Uh, what's going on now? Hey. And here pauses in your voice and stuff like that. Beautiful. So I'm just, like, calling in to say love the squeak. Also... I've been catching up on the um, uh, podcast. Yes. Am I calling number five? Hang up. No. And your call now. I have one more suggestion. Uh, bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Probably the final call of the day. Hello. Hey, Rick. I haven't listened to your show in a while, but uh, last time I listened to it, Richie was out trying to get some whores in Vegas. Yes. Uh, he needs serious therapy, not you. Uh, it, because he was trying to get whores? Did you hear how that whole thing turned out? Oh, it was awful. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. Uh, the thing about Richie is, Richie is just, he is indefatigable. Things just roll off him. You know, Richie's like one of those stress ball things. You squeeze down and he bounces right back, sir. All right, we got to roll. Thank you, though. All right, Rick Emerson Show produced today by Kristen Bowie for AM 970 The Talker. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, uh, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, uh, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, who is newly married. Congratulations. Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. See you all tomorrow with Nina Parker from TMZ. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.